Hello and welcome to Beyond the Neutral Zone. I am Brandon, joined by my good friends Tanner and Ben. Uh, guys, I'm thinking about changing my intro a little bit to the wow. podcast. I'm thinking about changing it to say, instead of instead of saying hello and welcome to the Beyond the Neutral Zone, or welcome to Beyond the Neutral Zone, I, I think I'm going to say hello and welcome Beyond the Neutral Zone, instead of saying welcome to Beyond the Neutral Zone. Does, it, does that make sense? Makes sense. Do you, th- you like that better? I like it. Welcome Beyond the Neutral Zone? I mean... It is what it is, bro. I, like, I think it makes no, more sense that either one of those are fine with me. Okay. <laughs> and also, instead of, I think I'm going to change the names around to where I mention your guys' name first and then mine, where I say hello and That's welcome. How it should be. Yeah, <laughs> hello and welcome beyond the neutral zone with Tanner, Ben, and myself, Brandon. Does that make sense? Tanner, Ben, and I, and yeah. myself, Brandon. And I. Uh, and I, Brandon. Yes, no, that's that's correct no, English. No, and, that and, is, and myself. That is correct. No, no I is at the beginning of the sentence. Ben, myself, myself would be at the end of the sentence, which is what it's at the end of the sentence. You're, no, you're, you're talking. Me is at the beginning. Me is at the end. Me no, is at the I end. is at the end. Oh, I is at the beginning. I is at the end, guys, bro. It's bro. It sounds. I is wrong. at the end, bro. I promise you. It I was joking wrong. at I'm first, not, I'm not bro. About the but... I'm talking. Uh, listen. We're talking about English here, okay? Yes, yes. Say, say a sentence where you're talking about just you individually, bro. Say, I went to the store, right? I went to the store. So, so yes. I's at the beginning. No, what? yes, but in that yes, in that example. No, no, but no. if you're saying like if you're talking about the three of us, you would put you first, and then so it would be like Brandon and I, not Brandon and myself went to the supermarket. Like yeah. no, no, at the beginning, yes, Brandon and I went to the supermarket. That's the beginning of the sentence. If you're talking Brandon about- and I. And I, I'm saying that I, I, you, yeah, I, I goes, I goes. That's when it's the when it's whenever you all are talking about the beginning of the sentence. I'm not talking about me being in the beginning of the three of us. I'm talking about the beginning of the sentence as a whole. So and you're not talking about I being yeah, it's first. A, it's a subject object thing. Yes, I'm talking about if you're talking about the end of the sentence. It's it's a me, not an I. Does that make sense? So like it's say like that affected me. Or, yeah, you don't say that affected I. Exactly. So, I mean, so if I'm at the that, end of the sentence, I'm saying myself, not I. So I'm saying joined by Tanner, Ben, and myself, Brandon. It's not Tanner, Ben, and I, Brandon. It's no, Tanner, would, Ben, and myself, Brandon. You wouldn't say Brandon at that point. You would just say, welcome Tanner. beyond the neutral zone with Tanner, Ben, and I. That's all you would have to say. <laughs> you're you're talking... You don't use I in that situation. It's myself. Bro. Tanner, Ben, and myself. It's Tanner, Ben, and myself. It's not, Bro, if there's any English listen, listen, listening listen, to this... If you're, if you're talking about the beginning of this, if, it's, if, I, if I was saying the three of us were going somewhere, I would use I. I would say, Tanner, Ben, and I went to the store. That is correct. That's what I thought you were saying. That's correct. But if I'm saying something where we're talking about us at the end of a sentence, I use myself. I don't use I. Man, you... you like, do you? Does that make sense? Like, Ben has no uh, idea what's uh, going or, on, or me, me or myself. Like, I don't use I in that situation. I promise you, I'm right on this. I promise. I don't know why I'm the one arguing English here. I yeah, Ben's like, terrible I, yeah. in English. I'm a math and science person. In case anyone was wondering. So what I'm gonna do is You're a serial killer. I'm gonna I'm gonna say welcome beyond the neutral zone with Tanner, Ben, and myself, Brandon. 
That's. I still. I just feel like I should go. No, there no, first. it's <laughs> not. Why do you? That just what? sounds weird to me. Like I, I don't know if it's right or I don't know if it's right or wrong. So what? What sounds just better? Sounds, what sounds better? That or you just saying "Welcome beyond the neutral zone" with Tanner, Ben, and I. You know, it, I you don't put I at the end of the sentence, Ben. Do you ever end a sentence with I? Ever? No, you don't. That's not correct. I promise you, I'm right on this. You would use me at the end of the sentence, not I. I promise. I don't even know at this point. I right. promise you, I'm right. I promise. This is a sports podcast, not a grammar podcast. If we got any English scholars, please comment. Oh my god, Ben, because he's being an idiot. I'm right on this. I promise you. Anyway, we will move on. Goodness gracious. All right. So, I will try to remember to intro next, the next, <laughs> the next podcast like that. Okay. I anyway. think we'll remember after we listen to the first five minutes of this podcast yes. being about grammar. <laughs> I'm fine with it. Hey. Anyway. All right. We'll move on. We're going to get to everything that happened. Not everything. We're going to get to the football stuff of the weekend. But first, I want to give a rundown of the Major League Playoffs. Uh, the Rangers now have a 2-0 to zero lead over the Astros. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I mean, screw the Astros, really. I mean, just get them out of the get them out of the postseason, please. Uh, get out of the MLB. Right now, we I just wow. saw the beginning of the the Phillies and Diamondback Diamondback game. Uh, right before we started this, the Phillies jacked two home runs. Um, Bryce Harper and who was the other guy? Uh, Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber hit the other one. And both of them were just absolute moonshots, bro. Holy cow. Anyway, so they got a good start. So that's that's the beginning of the championship series. Who are you rooting for in the National League, Tanner? I'm assuming you're rooting for the Diamondbacks? You're rooting for the Diamondbacks there, or you just don't care? I, I have to root for the Diamondbacks, because there's no way in hell I'm rooting for the Phillies. I think I'm rooting for the Diamondbacks, too, just because of just the underdog mentality. I, I there Nobody really pays any attention to the Diamondbacks. It, so. I, I'll be honest, though. If you would have told me the Diamondbacks would be this deep yeah, in the postseason at the beginning of the season, wild. I would have laughed in your face. <laughs> really would have. Like, it's this crazy. team is good, man. Yeah, dude. Like, they are really, really good. It's solid. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm not rooting for the Phillies. There's, that's not happening. No. Uh, yeah. All right. Now, we got that out of the way. We will go into what we were all impressed with over the weekend. Who wants to go first? Tanner, you got... Actually, I'll go first since mine involves the, the baseball that I just mm. talked about. What I was most impressed with this weekend was Evan Carter. Holy cow, dude. That guy... I was about to say kid, but he's not a kid. He's a guy. That guy just keeps tearing it up, man, and just keeps impressing me. More and more, and he's impressing the rest of the major league even more than he's impressing myself. And that dude hit for his first at bat in the championship series. It's a hard grounder past the first baseman, should be a single all the way. Legs it out, pure effort into a double. Then the very next inning, actually, I think before that at bat, the inning before that, he ran down a ball down the right field line in that, that tricky left field and made a good catch. Running that down. And then in the... Are you talking about the double play? No, I'm not talking about the double play. That was later. Oh. Later on in the game, I think this was the bottom of the eighth inning where um, Jose Atube is on first base. I don't remember who hit the ball, but he, in the corner back there, in the, the confusing little left field corner where the field gets a lot deeper all of a sudden. Uh, what, is that, what is that field called, Tanner, in Houston? Um... 
Minute Maid Park. Minute Maid, yeah. And Minute Maid Park, that confusing little corner out there in left field, he had to run around the wall and then d- goes deep back against the back wall, makes a leaping catch at the wall, then throws it back in. Jose Altuve, I don't know what he was doing, just forgot he rounded second and then forgot to touch second again before he went back to first base. I don't think it's that. I think he was out of position. Like, not, not trying to throw you off, but, like, if you look, like, his feet, yeah, I mean, he just his kinda... feet were his feet were straddle like his feet were almost straddling the bag. Right. So I, I personally think he was he was just out of position. Not saying that's an excuse. What, what do you mean out of position? But do you think you're, he's supposed to be somewhere else? In that position, like it, it's going to be a lot easier if you're a baseball player. I don't know why I'm standing up trying to show this because nobody <laughs> can see anything. But like obviously playing baseball in that situation. You either need to be standing on the bag, or you need to have already turned around yeah, second. You're right. Straddling the bag, it's awkward right there. Yeah. Because you almost have to do a hop step to hit the bag before you exactly. even go back. Yeah. So, that's why I say I think he was out of position, because it, to me, as a, ba- as a baseball player growing up, I'm either going to be standing on the bag, ready to plant and head back, yeah. or I'm going to have already turned... That way I can turn around, hit the bag on my first stride, push off, go back to first. Exactly. So that's what I mean by I feel like he was out of position. Whenever you were describing it, you used, you used the word awkward. And I liked that word a lot more than out of position. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he was just in an awkward spot. He, yeah. he put himself in a spot where it was just awkward. Because the thing was, he touched second base, and then he stepped off a of second base, but he stepped off more toward third than he did toward first. Yep. But he was he was still standing like directly on top of second. He just wasn't touching it. But he turned, and, and then he ran back to first without touching it again. It was it was really odd. Uh, any baseball players yeah. out there that are still playing, like take that as a warning. Hey, don't don't make that mistake because that was a pretty big mistake. It props to um, I don't know if it was the shortstop or the second baseman for the Rangers, but whoever it was noticed it instantly. Yeah. It was like. He was calling for it instantly. Like, Somebody's hey. looking at his feet at that point. Yeah, it, it, he was. If you watch the replay, whoever mm-hmm. that that infielder was, he was looking at directly at Altuve's feet the whole time. Mm-hmm. He was watching it very closely. Yeah. So props to him for paying attention. But anyway, heck of a play by Evan. That left field is one of the hardest left fields to play in the entire majors. Yeah. And he played it perfectly. He looked like he was a veteran out there. Man, he's just – and even – he only got that one hit in the game, that one double. But every at-bat he hit, had, he hit an absolute rocket. He was hitting bullets, man. So that guy just, he just keeps doing it, man. Holy cow, he's been impressive. I love it that he's taking his time. Like, he's he's taking his time with at-bats. Like, he's not oh, yeah. just jumping on first pitches. Like, he's working pitchers. Yeah. I love that yeah. about Evan. His first at-bat ever against Justin Verlander, he got it to a 2-0 count. And then just turned on the the 2-0. The third pitch wasn't even a strike. It was inside on him. And yeah. he just turned on it and hit yeah. a bullet into right field. So he's he's doing awesome, man. Mm-hmm. That's what I was most impressed with. What about you, Ben? What were you most impressed with this week? I was most impressed with – I'm going to go with the Lions here just because um, I thought they would be good at the beginning of the season. I called them to run away with that division. But I didn't think they would be 5-1. and one good and I know they played against the Buccaneers which I don't think the Buccaneers are personally very good but they only had one loss before they played the Lions as well and um I mean they beat them 20 to 6 and 
Um, a, the punter had some really good punts. Apparently pinned him deep twice. So that helped the defense out a lot. Um, we are probably the only podcast in the entire country that is talking about a punter right now. That's all I got to say. Hey, I got to talk game. about Logan Woodside, bro. That's not true. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if we can bring them up. But the Pat McAfee show talked about it, too. Of course so. we can. Who cares? But. He was also a punter, to be fair. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he loves, <laughs> he loves talking about punters. Hey, uh, the dude literally got the game ball listen, immediately in the locker room. They gave him the game ball. There was another punter. I can't remember what game this was. It popped up on Red Zone for a little bit. I can't remember who it was. There was a punter that got an unsportsmanlike penalty for headbutting somebody after a play. Like he came off of a sideline and like headbutted somebody. I actually yeah. just saw a clip. Of I can't that. remember yeah. who it was. And then like the guy flopped afterwards. Yeah. Like, how are you gonna flop oh, with a punter headbutt? And the punter either. like looked with his hands like, bro, I barely touched him. <laughs> that guy immediately got cut from the team afterwards. If you flop whenever a punter stands you up, then <laughs> you don't deserve to be on the NFL football team. Yes. So, um, but that that's pretty much it. I mean. Jared Goff looks good again. Um, had a bunch of third down, like long third down conversions. One to Jamison Williams that was a long touchdown. And did you all see that catch, by the way, that Jamison yeah. Williams made? That was an impressive catch. Yeah, was. Like, he was trying to find it one way, and yeah, then was... he had to turn around the other way. Caught it like back shoulder with the dude. The defender had his hand literally on the ball. Mm-hmm. And then he still managed to like catch it and hold it all the way to the ground, like that was an impressive catch. But yeah, yeah, I uh, that I that that kind of catch is is way harder than people realize it is. That's because you're when you're having to turn your hips that many times, your balance is being thrown all over the yeah. place. And and when your balance is thrown off, it's hard to get your hand and eye coordination to to be in the right spot as well. Which so that's it's I, tough. I do feel bad for that defender because with the receiver turning so many times like that too, you're like, where the heck is the ball at? Yeah, and that. then his hands come up at the very last second and the defender still managed to get his hand in the right spot. And then he still just catches it. Like, what do you do as a defender in that yeah, situation? I mean, there's nothing really you can do at that point. <laughs> but what about you, Tanner? What were you impressed with? Yeah, mine's kind of a two-parter. Um, like, I would, I would say I'm impressed with the Notre Dame victory. But on the flip side of that, I, I can definitely say I'm disappointed in USC as well because. I mean, yes, it was a big game for Notre Dame, but I mean, you just, you can't, I I don't care who it is, a top 25 team, whether it be Notre Dame, whether it be, you can take literally any top 25 team, you can't have five turnovers, man. You can't. Unless there's a game that I'm not thinking of. And they look bad, too. Yeah, that may be the worst game I've seen Caleb Williams play. And, I mean, it's not like Sam Hartman filled up the stat sheet. He only had a little over 100 yards and two touchdowns. When your team creates five turnovers, you don't really have to. You you don't. You don't have to. So, (laughs) I mean, you know, I, I would love to say that, like, I'm extremely impressed with Notre Dame. That was a big victory, especially knocking off USC. But on the flip side of that, I mean... When you have five, when you have, or when you force five turnovers, you have to win that game. Like you yeah. absolutely have to. So mine's kind of a two-parter. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, 
I'm impressed by Notre Dame getting that victory over them. And Notre defense, Dame's defense specifically. Like, that's that defense line. Did that, did that yeah. corner on Notre Dame, did he ball out again? I didn't get to watch that game. Like, what was his name again? I don't, I don't remember what number he was. I uh, didn't see any clips specifically of him, but I'm sure he balled out. I'm sure yeah. he did. I don't even have to look at I know that I he balled out. I remember his name yeah. was something we thought was cool. I didn't I'm pretty see. sure it was Benjamin something. It was, yeah, it was, it was Benjamin yeah. Something. It sounded sophisticated, whatever it was. I, I think it was number it. two. I think he was number two. Or, 20, or 22. 20 or something. Yeah, something. It had something to do with two. Yeah. <laughs> Did you, you said you wanted to mention something that happened after the game as well. Oh, yeah. So, okay. This... And, like, I'm, I'm not trying... Look, I'm not trying to sound like the old dude when I say this. But, like, have y'all... Y'all saw the video of, like... Y'all saw the video of the Notre Dame fan right. that, like, had his phone out running, searching for Caleb Williams, getting in the dude's face, recording him, going, like, how about them nails, bro? How about them nails, bro? Like, yeah. did y'all see that? Okay, that's got to stop, bro. Like, because I, I'm sorry. Like, I realized that he had F, F Notre Dame on his nails. I realized that, okay? But me, I, I'm, I'm talking from a me... A, a message. I am such a competitive person. Okay, if somebody, a fan, comes up to me, bro, and has their phone in my face, hats off to Caleb Williams, bro. Because if it were me, I would have either chucked his phone or seen how far I could chuck it in the stands, or two, like me and that dude would have been having words. Because I'm such a competitive person, bro. Like if it's another player that is playing the game. Bro, I'm all for it. It's trash talk, okay? Like, that's competitiveness. I'm all for players, you know, players in that situation. How about their nails, bro? How about their nails? Not a fan that has nothing to do with the game. Because right. you know if Caleb Williams would have laid a finger on that man, he would have been sued the very next day. Right. That's not okay, bro. And we're seeing that all the time, whether in football games, whether in literally just the situation that happened in Neyland when um, I want to say it was Jermaine Burton with him and that girl. When I don't think like he shoved her or something about that. Basically, there was like... I think there was, like, contact made right. or, like, he put, like, his hand in her face because she said something. I'm not sure. But, like, that situation doesn't happen if you're not – one, you're not rushing the field. And, two, I, I, I just – you know, even in NBA games with, you know, the fan that literally threw a bucket of popcorn on to Russell Westbrook. Right. Like, yes, if you say Russell Westbrook, you know, you can say whatever you want to about that guy. Okay? But – with how much, just because you pay for tickets and you're going to a sporting event, does not give you the right, does not give you the right to say whatever you want, do whatever you want with no repercussions. Right. Because you would not be saying and doing those things if you were outside of that arena facing him man to man in yeah. the street. I, I agree. It, you, that would not happen. I agree with all the physical actions. Now, the verbal stuff, as long as they're not like. We we all, we all know there's a few words that you just can't say. As of long course. as as long as they're not using those few words and they're not threatening their family, I think you're allowed to say pretty anything else you want to say. Like you you if 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 a fan wants to yell f you to Russell Westbrook, fine, whatever, I don't care. 
but if he's threatening a family member or something, that's a little bit different. But yeah. I think once you're, if you're a fan, if you're a player on that field, now this is which up. there were fans, if I remember correctly, it was I think when it was Russell Westbrook when he was playing for the Lakers. Fans were like getting onto his family at the game and there harassing people his family. With, yeah, uh, you can't do that. That's That's not okay. You can't do that. I agree with that. No, or, this is no, cool. the situation with Chris Paul was his mom was in the stands and people were literally like picking on his mom in the stands and like at that point, if you're an NBA player, like. Do what you got to do, yeah, you bro. Like, do that. You're yeah, sticking like, up for your yeah. mom. And that's why I'm saying just because you're paying that much for tickets, it does not give you the right to be stupid, basically. Yeah. You, can't, like, you can't be you a complete You still moron. need to be held accountable just like you would outside of that arena, bro. Now, if you can get under their skin without using literal verbal harassment, like, not verbal harassment, but, like, I mean, I think they're threatening, right. yeah. threatening their family or, like, threatening them or anything. If you can get under their skin using words, by all means, do See, it. Hold on, here, here's the thing, too. Here's, to an extent, as long as you don't get personal. Here's, that That's when it, and I'm not, I'll, I'll say this, then I'll let you finish. When it, I agree with that. What do you mean by the personal? point of, like, the whole point is to get personal. But just don't get to their family. Don't talk about their family. But other than that, I think the whole point of being a fan and having an effect on the game is about being personal. Because let's see. Because here's here's what I the best heckling you can possibly do is comedy heckling. Stuff that's mm. funny. Some stuff that's genuinely funny that you're making fun of that player for, that is like that is the best kind of heckling you can possibly do. And this is coming from an official I, I'm used to officiating stuff. So I'm used to people yelling at me. So, and I, the best heckling you can possibly do, whether it's to a player or to an official, is stuff that's funny. Try, your goal as a heckling fan should be to get the people around you to laugh at that person. That's your goal. To get them to laugh at that person without, without doing something that's like threatening a family member or something. So, I'll use this example. So, a couple years ago, I'm calling a baseball game. Okay? So, at that time, I was probably... 23, 24 years old, and I looked way younger than that. I'm, I looked probably 19 or 20. And the I was behind the plate, the official I'm calling with in the field, he is extremely old. Like, he's probably close to 80, and he can barely move. Good and grief, he, look, he looks like his mind's not really even there anymore. So, so anyway, I, I'm call, I'm, I won't name the team. So I'm calling the game, and from behind the plate, so there were, we had probably had three or four really close plays in a row. Part of them were mine, part of them were his, where it went against the same team. And a dad behind me yelled out after the third or fourth one, he yelled out, he said, oh, God, we've got a geriatric and a fifth grader call in this game. And I got standing, that, I don't turn bro, around. I'm, I'm, I, keep, I keep looking out to the field, I smile, and I'm like, that's actually funny, bro. <laughs> that's actually funny, man. See, that's, that's, that's the best heckling you can do. Like, that's cool. That's good stuff, bro. Like, you can do stuff like that, but you can't threaten family. I get, I get that. And that, yeah. that's, I, I feel like we're getting off of my main point, though. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm okay. But when it gets to, first off, why is Notre Dame storming the field to begin yeah, with? Yeah, that shouldn't happen. Like, come on, bro. Here, here's, like, the, here's the rule. I, just because, like, it, it's getting, it's getting to the point that I feel like even, like, Top ranked teams, if they knock off another top ranked team, they're storming the field. Yeah. It's like it's like any excuse to storm the field now is okay. Here, 
here I think if you here's a few parameters I think should should be disqualifications for ever being allowed to storm the field. One, have you ever beat that team before? If you have, you can't you can't storm the field. Okay, unless that team's like a number one or top ten ranked team, and you've never beat a top ten ranked team before, mm-hmm. then I'm okay with that as well. So basically, I'm only okay with you storming the field if you are doing something in that game that you've never done before. If something, if it's something that your program has never has never had happen before, or if it's been at least thirty years or so, so the the college students in the stands weren't born the last time it happened. As long if something like that happens, you're allowed to storm the field, in my opinion. But if it's not that, you're not allowed to storm the field. Like it has to be something that you've not done before. The only, the only, the the. The only caveat to that, in, in my opinion, this is coming from an Alabama fan. Listen, like, this is coming from an Alabama fan. I am okay with UT storming the field against Alabama. Only because it had been so long since they had beat us and it was in Neyland. Yeah. I'm okay long, with that. How long was that? That was, that was over 20 years. That was 15... It was around 15, okay. 15 to That's 20 close. years, I'm That's pretty sure. That's cutting it close. Yeah, but... Because of the fact it had been that long yeah. that they had beat us, I'm a, and that's coming from okay. an Alabama fan. That's fair. Okay, those college students they don't remember the last time Tennessee beat Alabama. Literally, so, and I was so even I'm, I'm okay with I was that. even talking to one of you know a really good friend of mine. He is a diehard Tennessee fan, and he was um he was talking to me, and he was like, "Look, man," he was like, "I've been I've literally been a UT fan all my life." He said, "I cried." At that game, he was like, I was one of the ones that stormed the field. But he said, You got to realize, I, in my entire UT fandom, like, I was so young the last time that Tennessee beat Alabama. My entire, like, life of pulling for UT, I just remember Alabama beating us. Right. So he was like, So in a situation like that, yes, I'm okay with UT storming the field against Alabama. But I feel like it is to the point that it's like any big win that a team has, yeah. they're storming the field. Yeah. And you're opening those possibilities yeah. up every single time. Another and, thing. And the, you need to yeah. – you if – if and I'll say this and then I'll no, let no. you go. I wasn't trying to cut you off. No, but the only way – like, if you're going to storm the field, you got to give the opposing team time to get off the field to keep stuff like that from happening. Yeah. Because in that video – he was searching for Caleb Williams, looking, looking for an altercation to, at that point. Now, because like I said, you know if he lays a finger yeah. on Caleb Williams, he becomes a millionaire overnight. I, I agree with all of that as well. But here's the if I'm the Notre Dame coach, or if I'm the USC coach in that situation, wouldn't it wasn't like Notre Dame won on the last play. Okay. The the game was decided. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I don't care about handshakes at that point. As the coach, I'll go for the Can't handshake. Team, the team should not be on the field anymore at all. No. The, the all, there should literally be eleven players on the field to take that last knee. There should be eleven players. That's it. Every single other player should have already been in the locker room. Why is Caleb Williams out there? What is he doing? Why yeah. why in the world is he out there? He should not be out. You there. don't know what's happening with the game, dude. Yeah, you do. Well, the game so was over. My thing is like at that point you're down you're down by twenty eight. No, points. Yeah. that game is over. I get that in part, that situation. You, yeah. you can't send your entire team to the locker. Yes, you can. No, if you stupid. if you if you know that they're the the crowd if you can feel that the crowd is about to storm okay. the field you you get those players off. My of thing specifically with this game that I was gonna say was. It, it's inexcusable for Notre Dame to be storming the field anyways. It's not like they won the game on a last-second field goal. Like, they knew they had won the game. 
for quite a while. Right. It wasn't like it was like anticlimactic, oh, who's going to win this game? Who's going to win this game? And everyone's on the edge of their seat ready to jump either way. Yeah. It was like USC already knows they lost. Notre Dame already knows they won. Why are you embarrassing? You're embarrassing yourself at that point yeah. by storming the field. Well, I, I, it goes along with what Tanner was saying. All these teams that are just storming the field for just all these normal yeah. wins, like, like you're embarrassing yourself. That, and you act, know act, what? act like you've done it. Before. You know when a team is going to storm the field because if you look at look at the South Carolina Tennessee game oh, last yeah. year, the fans were sitting across the fence waiting for yeah. the clocks to hit zero. Yeah, so ready. I do agree with what Ben is saying. Like you do know. When a team is going to storm the field to some, or yeah. was it you or Brandon that said that? I, I Brandon said, yeah, you do know to an extent yeah. when a team is going yeah. to storm the field, right? But like my thing with the Tennessee Alabama game, like was it two big programs going against each other, almost the same situation as this? Yes, but it was one on a last second field goal yeah. on a back and forth game yeah. that was literally back and forth the entire time. Like the pressure was building the whole game, yeah, and then it's like. They won on a last-second field goal, storm the field. Yeah. It's not like, oh, Tennessee beat them by 40. Oh, let's go storm the field. Like, that's just yeah. dumb. I, I agree. I think this I this is probably a hot take compared to all co- pretty much every college football fan. But I think that storming the field should just be completely outlawed, period. I, I, I you can't I don't it. it's college students. They're gonna do what they want. I, I don't there's no way that you can enforce I, that. I, uh, yeah, you you can because you can just start finding so much that that school makes sure that it doesn't happen to them. Like you can just start finding you so can. much. You can you, you can that, find a school as much as you want to, but a college student is going to do whatever the heck they, they, they want to do. The college for really big games like that, the colleges can hire more security. They can hire I, enough security people to where they literally surround the entire. That's I don't. I thing. don't think there's any. They. They. You realize? I don't think there's any way that you can possibly do that. One. I agree with what you're saying, but you you have to look. A lot of the people that come to these games, one, are not students. They're just fans. Right. How are you going to enforce a fan? Those fans do not care about your school being penalized. With how much these schools make, bro, well, yeah, I, fans I'm do not, not care about I'm not saying the, two, fan, the fans. They hired, they hired extra security for this Neyland game in case that in case yeah. they stormed the field and they literally knew there was nothing they could do. Oh, You're talking Lord. about thousands, yeah. like 50, 60, like even smaller stadiums, 20, 30,000. How are you going to enforce the fact of not there there's just no way you can enforce that. Fines or not because those fans are not going to care. Well, here's what you do also for the fans. You can start you can find the now, you're not going to be able to get all the fans, obviously. You can find the schools for one, so more security. But two, you can make it to where the fans, they face legal action as well. If they, if they, if they get pulled into, like, they're, like, you're not going to be able to get all of them. There's going to be, most of them are going to get away. But at least they 99%. Have, yeah, if you, at least you get, at least they have the risk of if they're one of the ones that are grabbed and caught, they face legal action. I, still don't, don't I still don't think it no. would matter because one, it's a number. I, I get what you're saying. But it is if just start, an it is an impossible numbers thing yeah. because you would literally you could get every single law right. enforcement officer in Knoxville at Neyland right. Stadium and you're still going to be outnumbered right. by thousands. Short it's term, just it is absolutely short, impossible. Short term, you're right, but I think my solution long term would work if people actually start getting arrested and they start getting fined a couple thousand dollars. 
then I think over time, once people realize that that's a possibility, they're not going to take that risk anymore unless they're completely drunk. It'll only be the drunk uh, people. And then once it's only the drunk people, then it'll be a lot easier to apprehend them at that point. I get, I get what you're saying. I just, I don't, once again, it's a numbers thing. Like, it, it's just, it's not... I, I do not see how it's possible. To I do also that. don't. Think but I'm with just, you. I hate it. I don't there's, think there's you no outright, benefit. Out of it. There's no. There's mm -hmm. nothing good. It's only bad things that happen. There's like. No, there's literally no point. Like, why are you running out there? What's your goal? What are you trying to do? I don't. Under, I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Like, why just are you showing running? fandom for their school? Like, I mean, you can show fandom from your like. seat. Like, I don't understand. No one cares. Like, like for example, Tennessee last year. Like, and the tearing down the goalpost stuff. Other schools have done it too. Why? What are you doing? I, I don't understand, man. Like, it's so weird. I, it I got Tennessee in the news a bunch, didn't it? It did. I mean, you're raising awareness for your school. What, what, you know what? You're you're you brought up a good point. What it is is attention. It's attention yeah. seeking. Those people that are storming the field, they just want attention. They yeah. know that all this game has attention. I want attention on me, even though I had nothing to do with this game. And I, that's all social media is. But oh, yeah, that's, like it, yeah, that's but they were storming the field even before. In that media. situation, yeah. I do agree that there are some people like that. But I feel like a lot of those fans feel like they played a part in that game with their crowd noise. So they were like, "Hey, we played a part in this game. Let's go storm the field because we just we just beat Alabama." They feel like they'd be Alabama. Right. So they're storming the field because they're like, we made all this noise. We got in Alabama's head. Let's go. We just helped our team win the game. Now we're going to storm the field See, because we literally just beat Alabama. And that, that's exactly why I said, like, I'm, look, I'm complete. I'm not saying, like, I have a problem with the trash talking. I have a problem with who that is coming from. Like, yeah. if the, look, if players wanted to come up, to Caleb Williams and like, how about those nails, bro? Like, and get in his face. Players that are in the game winning this game. Yeah. I am 1000% for that. But fans rushing the field, searching down a player yeah. to get in his face and try to get yeah. a reaction. Yeah. That, that I am in it because, yeah, 1000% it is. Yeah. Because there is no, there is absolutely no win-win, not just for Caleb Williams. I'm just using this as an example. Yeah. But any player in that instance. I agree. Because you're, you're being instigated in something that literally the only win you have is to walk away and don't draw attention to it. And you're still going to get... Here's, you're going to get embarrassed on social media because a fan got in your face and you didn't do anything. Here, here's so there's no there's no win win. I, I will I I agree. I think Caleb Williams did a great job. Um, I here's some advice for anybody that gets put in that situation. I think the best possible way to win that situation is to laugh and tell the guy a good game. That's the best. That's the best possible way you to can't win. Tell that. that dude, good game. Though. Like laugh that. and just like good game. It was a good game, bro. Good, good job. It wasn't a good game though. Yeah, like that's that's the best. That's the awful. best way to respond to that situation. Also, yeah. bringing it back to the actual football game of this game, the dude's name is Benjamin Morrison. He is in fact number twenty. Okay. He's only a sophomore, dude. He's not even Dang. going he's to be a pro. NFL. Like <laughs> he's, he's, he's got to stay at least one more year. Okay. That dude is good. He's not a redshirt sophomore. He's just a straight-up sophomore. It says number 20, Benjamin Morrison, sophomore cornerback, preseason All-American. That's okay. all it says. Oh, he was a preseason All-American? Yeah. As a sophomore? Ooh. Wow. Yeah, that dude's... We'll, we'll, we'll be hearing his name He's in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I hope, I hope the Packers draft him. 
It'd be sick. The Packers, Him and Jair. Packers will probably have to do pretty bad. Is that year. the first defensive player you've ever hoped for in the first round? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Forget about all the receivers. No. Which, the, which we, know the, we know the Packers aren't drafting a receiver in the first round. That's not going to happen. Oh. Which they, they, won't, yeah. they wouldn't draft a corner either. So. Why wouldn't they? They drafted Jair in the first? Yeah, that was a few years ago, though. Anyway, let's move on. I had to. Yes, I had to touch on that because that I'm so sick and tired of seeing that. I'm so tired of seeing that. All right, Tanner, what were you disappointed in this week? Oh, that fan. I can't. Yeah, that fan. Whoever that fan is. Um. So I mean, obviously, I just touched on being disappointed in USC, but. I, I gotta touch on this because I kind of I kind of feel responsible for this because I kind of jinxed it, but I gotta say I'm disappointed in the 49ers, man. Like I, I gotta say I'm disappointed in the 49ers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I literally just said on the podcast that I don't know who who could beat them, and once again, it wasn't one of those things. It was just one of those things where turnovers and mistakes just beat him. I mean, Brock did not have a good game. I think he I was like, know. I think he was like twelve for twenty-seven. I don't even know if so, it was turnovers and mistakes. They just got injury riddled, like just yeah. Terrence, Terrence Williams was huge. Like, not Terrence Williams. Terrence Williams. Who's, who's the Trenton Williams? That's it. Yeah, I got my T's and my yeah, W's Trent right. Trent so Williams. It's Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Like yeah. those are th- those might be your three most important yeah. players on offense. Yeah. And all three of them went down. I don't know. I was Debo. saying that more. I was saying that more from an aspect of yes, injuries. But I mean, I'm I'm gonna look. I'm gonna compliment a player when he plays good. And on the flip side of that, I'm when a player yeah. does not play good. That's where I was going from that. I mean, Brock yeah. did not play good. He went like 12 for 27. No, you're saying he didn't play but, good. I was watching the game. I didn't see anything where I'm mm-hmm. like, that was a bad play. I didn't see yeah. any plays from Brock Purdy where mm-hmm. I was like, that was just a bad play. I didn't see anything like that. There was just no plays to be made. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think Trent Williams came back into the game at near the end of the game. I, I think he came back. But Christian McCaffrey missed the entire fourth quarter and a part of the third quarter, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Debo Samuel missed the entire second half, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Um, so, I mean, dude, I mean, when your offense it just relies on those guys to really get things going for you, especially the Trent Williams, Trent Williams was the most important, he's the most, he's more important than Christian McCaffrey. He is, yep. he is that important. Yes. At 100%. That's not even questionable. I, I get, I get, that's just, it's he is not questionable. Man. He is, he is so good, dude. dude. I love Christian McCaffrey. I love Christian McCaffrey on the Panthers. Christian McCaffrey mm. has always been like, even through his injury-riddled stuff, like, I wasn't concerned about it. If he's on the field, he was the best player for the Panthers. Trent Williams is the best player on the 49ers, he, offense or defense. He is, he's more important than Nick Bosa. He, he's more important than Brock Purdy. Yeah. If they throw uh, – who's the backup this year? Sam Darnold. Sam Dar- Sam, if Sam Darnold's in there with Trent Williams, it's much better than no Trent Williams and, and Brock Purdy. I mean, I'll I'm give you that, good. but, yeah. like, still just – Oh man, like dude, what I'm a Trent big... Williams is able to do, dude, mm-hmm. that guy is just different. Yeah. And like he's crazy, dude. I mean, it's you watch that dude play. It's the only offensive lineman I've ever seen where I watch him him individually on a play and be like, "Oh my god, that guy is an absolute beast." And here's you the thing, can make that I I agree with what you're saying, but you get, if you're if you're talking about an offensive lineman where you watch them 
and you're you're just super impressed by what they do, their ability and things of that nature, you have to put Jason Kelsey in that conversation. Yeah, he's so. great too. 100%. But he, he doesn't he doesn't have the physical tools that Trent Williams Dude, does. It's not just like watching Trent Williams like watching him is amazing. Mm. Just listen to other NFL players talk <laughs> yeah, about yeah. that dude. They're like, I don't want to mess with that dude at all. He they, yeah. he will literally snap anybody in half. <laughs> and it's other NFL players are saying this. Like grown men are like, I don't want to mess with that dude ever. <laughs> George Kittle is one of the most like savage dudes ever. Super goofball, but like also whenever it comes down to George business, <laughs> absolute monster. Yeah, he's like, dude. Trent Williams is the best player on our team. George Kittle even admits that. Like, right. And it, it's that dude is just insane. By the way, that whole game was weird, bro. I don't, I don't know if either of you all watched the majority of that game. Hey, that game was weird. PJ Walker, the P- goat. PJ, that's one of the plays I want to talk about. And near near the end of the first half, there was I don't. I'm assuming neither of you all saw this play. There was a play near the end of the first half where PJ Walker is getting sacked, and as he's getting sacked. He kind of tries to throw the ball, and he gets called for intentional grounding. It was called a fumble at first, and and uh, the 49ers jumped on it. And it was like 20 seconds before halftime, and it was going to be on uh, the Browns, like 30. Mm-hmm. So the 49ers were going to score again right there. Well, maybe. So they... This is what they were all so healthy at that point. They had all their players. I'm saying the field goal kicker, though. If it came down to a field yeah, goal, they might not have made it. But the anyway... They, then they overruled it and said incomplete pass. So, because they said his arm was slightly moving forward, which I was like, okay, it was slightly moving forward. But if you, th- nobody noticed this. The yeah, comment, want to call it. The commentators didn't notice this. The officials didn't notice it. The New York people and the review all the plays and stuff, they didn't notice it. Nobody noticed this. Yes, his arm was moving forward. He, he, when he released the ball, it was on one of the solid lines, like on the 30 yard line. The ball landed behind the 30 yard line. It landed behind the line. The throw was backwards. Nobody noticed it. Literally nobody noticed it. Nobody brought it up. Nobody mentioned it. Nobody said anything and it went backwards. Like if anybody's listening, go see if you can find a way to look up that play. The ball where he, it looks like he's throwing forward, but because of his momentum going backwards, the ball actually goes backwards. So the ball was a backwards pass. So it was a miss. They just missed the call, which could have completely changed the outcome of that game. So like it's I sometimes I notice stuff like that where people just don't notice it. The people just aren't paying attention. Like literally nobody pays any attention to it. Anyway, if you get a chance, I'll try to show you guys later if I can find that play. It definitely goes was released above the line. The ball landed behind the line. It was a backwards pass. But it looked forward, so nobody noticed it. Regardless of anything else that happened in this game. 49ers kicker just got to make that kick, yeah. and they win the game. It's as simple yeah, as that. Yeah, they're going to win that game. Yeah, I agree. But So it, it was a w- really weird game. Weather played a part in it. I know you hate that. You guys hate that. But weather played a part in it as well. I don't hate that. I, I'll um, just, it, was, it, it was a wild game. Wild, wild. <laughs> All right. And it, the weather probably led to the injuries, if we're being honest. That probably had a lot to do with it. It was turf. That was it was actually real grass, I think. Yeah, it, it was, Cleveland, don't they play on real I think Cleveland plays on real Cle- grass. Cle- Cleveland plays on real grass. Yeah, I think so. Which right. weather weather real grass sucks. So <laughs> but no weather real grass real real grass is great. But anyway, uh Ben, what were you disappointed in this week? Continuing with kickers, 
<laughs> we gotta talk about the organ kicker, bro. Yeah. Just absolutely robbed us of a game that should have went to overtime. Man. Super exciting game. Both offenses are just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Oregon drives down the field, gets in field goal range. Few seconds left on the clock. Dude just shanks the field goal yeah, that it, would have sent it to overtime. It wasn't even close. <laughs> he that was me. terrible. Oh my gosh. Oh. That was that was a bad miss. Man. Holy cow, bro. And I mean my Tanner, no, no, we do not need to bring up the fact that they had new uniforms. Okay, we do not need to bring that up. <laughs> hey, speaking of this, Tanner, too. Speaking of kickers, pretty sure that's their second uniform that they unveiled since the Colorado game. Who, but. They unveil new uniforms every week, Tanner. Forever, for all time. No, anyway, not speak, for clicks here. Speaking of speaking of kickers, go ahead. I, I saw that. I think you pronounce his name Will Riker. Will he, Riker, Alabama's. He is the leading. Yeah, yeah all time yeah. SEC leading scorer. Yeah. Now. How does it feel for oh. Alabama to have a consistent kicker? Because for a long time that was not the case. It's nice, but I know this is his last year. Right. So I had to go through Papanostas. Okay, like, <laughs> bro, I had to yeah. go through. Those years, so it's nice to have a consistent, a consistent field goal kicker. Yeah. Anyway, so it's very nice. All right. What what I was most disappointed in this week was Jalen Hurts. Oh my goodness, man, uh, that was brutal. I mean, I know the Jets' defense is good. The Jets' defense is really good, but the stuff that he was doing wasn't even like. There was a couple of stuff that the defense just forced really good plays. Like, I, I get that. But the last – the whole game he played bad. But that last interception that he threw that sealed the game, what what in the world it was he looking at, man? Like, I don't – I couldn't comprehend what he was trying. If he takes a sack, if he gets sacked, if he loses 20 yards right there, the Eagles are going to have like a 90-something percent chance to win that game. If he gets sacked, if he takes a sack, they're probably – Almost 100% chance of winning that game. Because the Jets were going get, to get the ball probably inside their own 20 with probably like 30 seconds to go and no timeouts. The Jets were not going to win that game. Okay? He, I, I, I don't know what he was doing. I, I, I don't I, – I mean, because Jalen Hurts is usually so smart. He's such a smart player. He does the right – he makes the right decisions all the time. And in that moment, he just – it made an awful, awful decision. And it wasn't like just that one play. The whole game he was doing stuff like that. I, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I The Jets obviously have a really good de- defense. But against these big-time quarterbacks, they're, they're doing something to get in these guys' head, bro. They're doing something to make these guys. I, I don't know what it is. Because all these guys are making stupid decisions when they play against the Jets. I don't know exactly what, what's causing it. But people are just being dumb. I, I don't get it. So I was disappointed with Jalen Hurts. I mean, I, I would say the Eagles, but other than Jalen Hurts, I, actually, I am disappointed with Devontae Smith. Did you all see his drops? Devontae Smith had several bad drops. Yeah. A.J. Brown balled out, but Devontae Smith had some crucial drops in this game. He owned up to it in his post-conference. Oh, did he? Yeah, he owned okay. up to it. Good, because it, it, was, it was pretty bad. I don't know what was going on with that guy, because you're not used to seeing him drop anything, and he no. was dropping everything. Um, but other than that, I don't think the Eagles really did bad. So I w- I'm not disappointed with the Eagles, but I am disappointed with Jalen Hurts because that was that was an awful performance. It was terrible. Either of you guys have anything to add to that game? I, I do want to say this. On our last episode, we made the bet between the Browns and the Jets who was going to have a better record. The Browns beat the 49ers, and the Jets beat the Eagles. <laughs> what in the world? 
is going on, bro? We definitely caused both of them. We did, bro. I caused the 49ers Good to lose. Last yeah. week, I caused the Commanders to lose to the Bears. This week, Tanner and Brandon caused the 49ers to lose and the Eagles to lose. Hey, y'all see that Vikings dub, Ben? I guess the Bears. You see that Vikings and dub? That's the really, most ugly hey, game. Yeah. That was, you see that Vikings dub, though? I, just, I do want, That was a horrendous football game. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was terrible. A dub's a dub, baby. That was so nasty. <laughs> a win's a win. Oh, my goodness. All right. We'll move on. Yeah. Okay. What I noticed this week <clears throat> is, I believe I got this notification yesterday, that Brock Bowers is going to be out six or seven weeks. After a surgery that he yeah, just went through. I saw that. So he's tightrope surgery on his ankle. Yeah, whatever a tightrope surgery is. I've never heard of that before. Um, but he I mean, Georgia's it's I mean, Georgia's still crazy good without him, but it's gonna be tough to win all these games. Cause I mean, I mean they gotta beat Tennessee. If I think they play Missouri this week. I, I think he would be coming back right around the time. The college football playoff. College football playoffs. Yeah. If it, if it's four weeks, I think he'll make it back by the Tennessee game. I think. I saw at least six weeks. That's what I They saw. said four to six. Really? I so saw that's it. why I'm saying best case scenario okay. for, I think that would put him back. They, I think they faced Tennessee, is it November 10th or the 13th? Those two dates are sticking out to me. I don't know. Yeah, so, I mean, that would if it's four weeks. It would be he, very close. Very close. If, if he is coming back for that game, he wouldn't be 100%. Mm-mm. No way. No. And it's in Neyland, too. So, I mean. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. All I'm saying is I called for Tennessee to win that game, bro. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's possible. Tennessee's not. Tennessee not does look, not look They're good. not looking great either, though. I, Which Alabama doesn't either. Nobody in the SEC looks good. Like, literally nobody. None, mm-hmm. I, I, is, does anybody look good in the SEC? I, I mean, we're talking like really good. Georgia doesn't look really good. Tennessee doesn't look really good. Alabama doesn't look really good. Ole Miss, LSU, Texas A&M, none of them look really good. Kentucky nope. looks. They look awful. God, I don't even want to talk about this. I'm like, I'm not. I'm not going to say I'm done with Kentucky. I'm still going to watch their games and root for them. But I, they're not a good football team. I'm not even. I'm. I, there's no hope. They're like, we're not going to beat. We're not going to beat Tennessee. We're not going to beat Alabama. Who else we got? Um, we're not going to be. We're probably going to lose to South Carolina, which that'll be. I'll be very upset about that. But I mean, yeah, surely y'all will beat South Carolina. Here's the bro. thing, dude. <laughs> Here, here's the problem with this Kentucky team is other Kentucky teams in the past we've had way less talent than this Kentucky team. This team's got talent. This is you watch. The, it looks like they're poorly coached. The just the mental mistakes, the penalties, just dumb, stupid stuffs at terrible times. And I, I I don't and that's not what Mark Stoops teams are usually like. I, I don't I don't know what's causing it, dude. The receivers can't catch the ball, and Devin Leary can't throw the ball. He, he he can't get it to anybody. And he was supposed to be a great accurate quarterback, and he's just missing everybody. So Kentucky's not a good football team. They're not going to be anybody that has any competence at all. We've got four wins right now, I think. So we're going to end up with a bowl game. We'll prob- we might end up with like eight wins. No, we're not getting eight wins. We might end up with seven wins. I, I, we're probably going to end up with seven wins. So, which coming into the season is very disappointing. Like losing to Missouri. Especially with how y'all started. Losing to Missouri was very, very disappointing. Because I don't believe Missouri is a good football. And, and we were winning that game 14-0 to right off the bat. And then we got them 
We stopped them again, and they did a fake punt. And their punter threw up a duck with our defender. All he, the, the guy he threw it to had a dude all over him. The play wasn't there. And the dude that was all over him just allowed himself to get mossed. And the guy scored a touchdown. After, from that point on, Kentucky never got any momentum at all and just got ran the rest of the game. Just incredibly disappointing. That was that was not fun at all. My goodness. But that was one of those games like if you beat Missouri, like you've got a you've got a chance of making your season a really good, successful season. Yes, you got destroyed by Georgia, but who cares? If you if you beat Missouri, you still got hope for a great season. If you lose to Missouri, you don't have hope for a great season. That's that's what that game was. And that's it was very disappointing. I can tell you the mindset of Kentucky fans right now. Kentucky, the past few years, because of the basketball team being kind of low, has really been hyped up for football and has been a lot more into football later in the season than they typically are. After that game of Missouri, that was the the day before that was Big Blue Madness, the big the basketball event for Kentucky. After that Missouri game Saturday, all Kentucky fans are locked in basketball now. Nobody's paying any attention to football anymore. That's 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 I, that's just the mentality of the Kentucky fans now. This is kind of, well, it's on topic and off the topic, but I know that they released like rankings for college basketball. There's like Kentucky, 16, 16. 16. yeah, which and they're they're very heavy on freshmen this year. Mm. So that, that ranking is kind is of is that accurate in your opinion? I would probably have them right there too because I think that's a good spot to put them right now because they could literally be the best team in the country. But we just don't know yet because mm. it's their freshmen. Yeah. They've got some ta- very talented freshmen. But yeah. we need to we need to hold up and kind of watch them perform first. Gotcha. So I, I think okay. six, I think 16 is reasonable. I'll, okay. I'll take it. All right. Um I I think they're when, I, is, when is opening day for college basketball? Like when like, not it's really like, it's like the first week of November, maybe the second week of November. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's a little after the NBA. Okay. Um, but anyway, so if I'm thinking at the end of the year, Kentucky will probably be a top 10 team. They probably right. will be. Uh, but they'll, they'll have some growing pains with these freshmen. This will be the most exciting Kentucky team we've seen in a while. They've got speed. You think so? Yeah. They got, we got some speed this year. They'll be they're <clears throat> very, very aggressive on defense, too. They go for steals a lot and alley-oops and that a kind of stuff. A lot closer to, like, the... De'Aaron late, Fox. Late 2000s, like early teen Kentucky. Well, it was mostly just early teens because Calipari got there early in 2010. Yeah. It'll be a lot closer to that. Are you a Kentucky basketball fan? Or are you? Yeah. I mean, I would like, of teams that I pull for, Kentucky yeah. is definitely one of the higher ones. Okay. I got you. I got you. So what, even, what were you, what stood out to you this week? What did you notice, Ben? What did I notice? Um... I noticed the Commanders-Falcons game just because I like the Atlanta Falcons and I'm super high on the um, Commanders. Although my hope for the Commanders had kind of went down after that loss last week. But I thought the Commanders bounced back and looked good in this game. Um, I was more so interested in the how the two young quarterbacks were going to look with, in Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell. And... Throughout the first part of the game, they both looked on fire. Like, they were making legit throws throughout the whole game. And then it came down to the fourth quarter, and Desmond Ritter 
just forgot what team he was playing for and started throwing to the Commanders instead of the Falcons. <laughs> he did. He looked really bad near the end of that game, dude. I don't know what was going oh, on. Oh, that it. one pick in the red zone, dude. Whenever they were down by se- – I'm pretty sure they were still only down seven at this point. And he drops back. He was already in shotgun. He runs backwards for yeah. like five yards, throws up a lob off his back foot to literally only the defender. His receiver yeah. never even had a chance to get close to the ball. It was just a defender standing there. I was like, dude, what know, are you bro. doing? And then I forgot how the last one was, but the last one was almost just as bad as that one was. Oh, no, the last one was a slant to Bijan. That's what it was. There was a slant. They did five wide, and they did a slant to Bijan, and um, Jamin Davis just yeah. basically jumped the route. It, and- Jay- I could not believe. That's a Kentucky guy, by the way, Jamin yeah. Davis. I could not believe how well he covered Bijan on that play. Yeah, that's a linebacker, bro. Yeah, and he was all over him. Um, like, holy, what a play, man! I, the first interception that Desmond Ritter threw, um, I actually didn't have as much of a problem with. That was a great play. I forgot exactly what happened, but I remember whenever I watched it, I was like, I don't really fault him for that play. It was a little bit earlier in the game. Uh, the defender just made a great play, and I really wish I could remember exactly what happened. But my mind is blinking currently. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I do want to add this to that, though. You're talking about that play near the goal line. It's, it's watching all the games on Sunday, I don't know what was going on in these games. Every every single quarterback, every one of them, once they were got into goal-to-go situations, every quarterback in the NFL on Sunday was awful. All of them were terrible. Every single, I don't know what was happening. Once they got the goal to go, every quarterback in the NFL was atrocious. Go, just go look at the scores this past week. Go look at how many field goals all these teams got. It's, it's because these quarterbacks were terrible down there. They were awful. I don't know what sure. was going on. It was atrocious across the league. Everybody. It was bad. Really, really bad. I don't know what was happening. Um, But other than that, I thought it looked like Two fairly good football teams. I don't think either one of them are like top of the league, but they're nowhere close to the bottom of the league for sure. And uh, they were going at it, and Desmond Ritter cost his team the game. That's pretty much what yeah. I noticed. Yeah, he, he cost them the game for sure. Yeah. What about you, Tanner? What would you notice? So, y'all, before I say this, I'm going to preface the fact that you guys know that I've been kind of sticking up for this guy. Oh boy! Like, I've Uh-oh. you've been like Uh-oh. you've coming. been like on him, bro. Oh, I've been on him. You've been, I, I have been on him on him, bro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I like him. it. I've been like kind of taking up for him, but kind of agreeing with you. But after some of the mistakes I saw this guy make, bro, Malik Willis has got to go. Oh, I'm God. sorry, he's got to go. Like, okay, you take. Yes, it was a two-possession game at this point with no timeouts, okay? But that even hurts my point Wait, even more. But hold on. Two. Before, whenever he came into the game, it was one possession. Whenever whenever, whenever Ron Jingle got hurt, it, got, it was one possession. I'm talking about just the mistakes that I saw him make on that last one. Okay, bro. got it. The two crucial sacks. And... I mean, it, it was... What, like... I, okay, the sacks were bad, yeah. okay? But... Anybody, you don't even have to be a quarterback. Sorry, I get it. Y'all know, bro. When I start talking about the freaking Titans, y'all know. Like, it's common sense, bro. Like, you know. Yeah, you can't take When you have 
Let me paint this scenario for you guys, okay? No timeouts whatsoever, okay? We're going to take... We're, we're not even going to take Malik at this point. We're going to take another quarterback, okay? Let's take... I don't know, freaking... Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott, okay? okay? So, no timeouts whatsoever. You're inside the tent, okay? So, you snap the ball. You start running to the left, okay? There are three defenders around you. Literally three defenders around you, mm -hmm. okay? You decide that you're going to start running toward out of bounds. You're going to stop, try to cut back to the inside, and try to beat three different defenders to get over five yards and get into the end zone. And, and that, you should way, be cut, bro. On, on that what play, are you thinking? There were two plays that were terrible, more worse like, than that one. But on that specific play, the entire time that he's fighting forward, he had the option to step out of bounds at any moment. And, and, and he didn't. He turned back in the inside. Yeah. Like, look, I yeah. have been – you got – I'm pretty sure I've said this on the podcast. The thing with Malik, okay, is he will make plays that will make you say, wow, that was a great play, man. There's upside here. And then he will make boneheaded decisions like you saw with that play. And you're like, what are you thinking? I'm sorry. I don't know how bad Ryan Tannehill. And like, I'm not. Am I riding the Titans out? Okay. No, I'm not. If we go two and five, yes. Okay. 100%. Okay. If we go two and five, it's a wrap of the season. Okay. Are the Texans better than the Titans at that point? I still say no. I still say no, even with how CJ Stroud's <laughs> playing. Okay. At this point in the season, okay, coming off the bye week, depending on how bad Ryan Tannehill's ankle is, okay, Malik's got to be a backup. You have to start Will Levis. Uh, yeah, you it, have to start Will Levis to see what you have in Will Levis. Here's the thing. Okay? I think if you're doing that, if, if Ryan Tannehill is, is, isn't able to play, here's the thing with Will Levis. If you start Will Levis, there's a 90% chance you're going to lose the game. Okay, you're going to lose. But what you what you can gain out of starting Will Levis is can you, can we see about six or seven, maybe up to ten plays from you where we can mm -hmm. see the promise? Can we can yeah. we see the yeah. future there? Yeah. Like even if you do poorly yeah. as a whole of the game, yeah. can you make enough plays there where we can see what the what the potential is? Can you yeah. show that to us? So that what that's what you can gain out of Will Levis, Malik Willis. It's already done. Like you're. You already know he's not – He's there's no future. Like, it's already – I can't believe – I said this before the season. I cannot believe he is on an NFL roster. I, he he would not start. What's the what's the Tennessee quarterback for UT? What's his name again? Joe Milton. Joe Milton. He would not start over Joe Milton mm -hmm. for Tennessee. Joe Milton would be starting – and Joe Milton's been bad this year. Joe yeah. Milton would still be starting over Malik Willis. That's how bad Malik Willis is. Yeah. Malik Willis – would be battling for a starting job at Kentucky right now. That's that's how bad Will Levis is. I was excited, and look, I was excited when we drafted when we drafted Will or um, Malik, Malik because yeah. it was third I, round. I had one third round, yeah. and I have been preaching. I have literally, I've said this to you years ago. I know that I have. I have wanted a quarterback, but a little better passer. I have been wanting a Lamar Jackson type quarterback to pair with Derrick Henry. Right. Uh, that goes against what the Titans do, that one back offense. But at the same time, like I was excited when we got Malik. Right. 
Here, here's but, the thing. That can be successful, uh, but I don't think that can be successful long term. Because mm-hmm. look, you had you had Vince Young and Chris Johnson. That that was successful, but it was successful short term for a very short period of time. I think if you're looking for something for like a seven eight years, that's not a success that's going to happen long term. It may be one or two years it can happen, but and that's the thing that's made. That's the thing, and I, I can't believe I'm even uttering this. Okay, but coming from where the Titans were. That's the reason that the Ryan Tannehill Titans era has been a success is because is Ryan Tannehill dynamic with his legs? No, but He's a threat. he can. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. He is a threat and he can make the play if he needs to. Yeah. He's just not a big time quarterback. OK, right. I'm not going to get into it. We all know how I feel yeah. about that. OK, but look, this is we have. This is the stretch of the schedule that we should finish up this stretch four and one because we have the Falcons, then we have the Steelers, then after that I think we have we play the Bucks, then we face I think it's the Jags, and then we play the Panthers. So the only game realistically that we should lose. Is the Jaguars. So you admit the Jaguars are better now? I'm saying from <laughs> what I've seen so far, I I have... Can we beat the Jaguars? Yes. Of course. The Jaguars are going to be favored in that game. Oh, yeah. So if it comes down to... If it comes down to what should happen, right. we should finish up that stretch 4-1. and one. Now, if you're Okay, talking, if and you're... that would put us... That would put us what six and five, five and five coming up on the playoff push, the playoff. I, stretch. I agree with you. I think they should do probably go four and one on that stretch, but they're not going to be favored in four of those games. Oh no, the, I know the Falcons. 100%. The Falcons will be favored over the Titans. And but the Falcons at, will beat the Titans. look, and I and I will say this: I am saying this right now. Okay, if we lose to the Falcons. Pull the plug on the season. Will Levis Dude, starts the rest of the season. The Falcons I'm are sorry. harder than you think. I'm sorry. I don't know about that, though. I'm sorry. I think you should wait one more week against the Steelers. You really think if we're... Okay. If let, you all lose to the Steelers. Yeah. Re, okay, but realistically, I, I'm... Look, like, yes, a lot of what I say is out of emotion when it comes to the Titans. I've but I'm being before. as realistic as possible. Nobody's talking to you. The division's bad enough. I'm being... Like... Hope. No. I'm being as realistic as possible here, okay? Two and four, I still have hope yeah. with the schedule that we have Dude, coming. Very up, promising schedule. Okay? Yeah. But if we go two and five, yeah. I mean, it's dude, like, I, I don't... And, and this is come. Look, like, I would much rather, at this point, with the Titans being two and five, okay, with Ryan Tannehill having an ankle injury, okay, yes, I don't know the extent of it right now. I would much, much rather us just pull the plug and find out what we have in Will Levis and find out if he is the guy. If he is not the guy, okay, we need to be looking forward to drafting our guy. Okay, that's my feeling because I, I just I don't know if you I don't know if there's enough time left this year that you can just already eliminate Will Levis, even if he does, even if you even if he plays in like five games and does 10 plus 10 plus 10 games is a good sample. Size. He's Nine not, to he's, 10 games. He's not going to get. Yes, he's a, OK. Yes, he's a rookie. 
Do what? He's not going to be able to get 10 games in. Yeah, he is. Unless you just bench Ryan Tannehill the rest of the season. Like, starting, like, now. Well, yeah, okay. I was thinking, yeah, so he he would get nine. So if we went two and five, if no, if we went two and five, if we if we went two and five and we started him at the Steelers on Thursday night, exactly that would be exactly. 10 I think games. that's reasonable, and I think I, I'm sorry, ten, even for a rookie, ten games. 10 is ga- I'm I'm not 10. saying I'm okay ten games is enough to where you're going to see the highs and you're going to see the lows and how he handles the lows. Okay. You're going to see at least. Does this guy have the promise right. of being our franchise second round quarterback that we drafted? And that's going to be the point that I'm at as a Titans fan if we go to. I think five. that's fair. Okay, I, I I do agree that with that ten game marker though. I I, mm-hmm. I think t- you need to see ten games. I, yeah. If if he gets to play six, I don't think that's enough. Mm-hmm. I, six isn't enough. Ten, I think that's enough. So I agree with you. Two and five, you're, that's probably the smart decision. You're probably I, right. I just that that's just where I'm at, man. And I mean that that the only promise that I have is I don't know. I I, I don't know what Ryan Tannehill's ankle is looking like. If uh, we do have an off, week. was it a sprained ankle or what? Uh, I'm pretty sure he rolled it. It was a sprained ankle. Okay. I was pl- I didn't get to see the injury. Um, at the time I didn't get to see the injury, but, um, cause I was playing at church, but, um, yeah, I, I, if we go two and five, man, I just, you gotta pull, you gotta pull the plug, man. And you have to find out what you have, what you have in will. I think it's reasonable. Cause, cause you, I, I'm sorry, man, you know. You know what you have in Malik at this point, yeah. and you know it's, he he's not the guy. He's not the guy. I I I didn't want him to be, and and they they had will to, they had the option to use will. No, he was in full gear sitting by no, Malik. Here's the thing: they they had to make that decision before the game because yeah. the third quarterback you can only bring a third quarterback if as an emer- emergency quarterback. Yeah. So the other two guys have to get hurt. Yeah. So they brought Will Levis as the emergency quarterback. Yeah. Why do they not have Will Levis as the backup right now? Like what? I, I still think I there's s- no way Malik Willis. There's no way Will I, Levis is worse than Malik Willis. I think the Ma- I think the only reason, no and th- this is just me personally, I think the only reason that they have Malik over Will Levis at this point is because of his training camp injury that he missed the last of training camp. You're probably right. I think that's the only reason. I think personally. Yes, Mike Vrabel spoke highly of him in training camp, okay? But from what I saw in that game, like, dude, like, there's... If you're legitimately telling me that based off what you saw, you think Malik is better than Will with how he looked (laughs) in that game, it is time to press the panic button in Nashville, Tennessee, bro. Yeah, if if, if, if he's right. Now, I... I, Like... most of the time, I trust Mike Rabel's judgment. Mm-hmm. I think he's very smart. If he honestly thinks that that Malik Willis is better than Will Levis, you go ahead and plan on drafting a quarterback next year. If he really thinks that Will Levis yeah. is that bad, yeah. I mean, you might as well go ahead and plan it. There's no way Will Levis is that bad, though. There's no way. I, I don't, it, especially, and it, it, look, everybody knows. I was, I was, I was happy. With the Will Levis over, would I would I have liked to see him or CJ Stroud with the Titans at this point? Yes, because bro, 
CJ looks good. Like, I can't look, man. I can't take anything away from him. I'm giving credit where credit is due. CJ looks fantastic. Like, but at the same time, I was okay with the Will Levis, with them taking Will, especially over Hendon Hooker. I'm so tired yeah. of that one. You got him in the second round. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, yeah, that was, it was a projected first round quarterback that it, we got. Is in the, the uh, what was that the, played in the style of offense that the Titans oh, run perfect, in college? Perfect. Literally yeah. perfect. I mean, and he's, here's the one negative. He's basically Ryan Tannehill reincarnated. That's what, that's my. That scares the hell out yeah, of me. Yeah. Like, that's, that. that's my, that is my scouting report for, for Will Levis. I'm hoping his decision making is better, though. Yeah. That's the thing. His big, okay, okay, wait, I, I, I'll retract that statement. <laughs> his big time, his big moment decision making is better than Ryan Tannehill's was. He, here's, here's what he did in college. And really big moments. Will Levis, if the throw was not there, he would not throw it. He would use his legs, and sometimes he would use his strength on those legs, almost like a Tim Tebow-style run. He is a very big, very strong guy. But you're not going to last in the NFL. Yeah, you can't do that in the NFL. You're not. You're not. So he's one thing that he, he did not do very much in college, which he's going to have to do in the NFL if he's going to be a success. One thing he did not do very much is throw the ball away. He did mm-hmm. not throw the ball away very many times. And in the NFL, that is an ability that you have to have. You have to be able to throw the ball you away. You have to know. You have to do it. You got to have now, that clock. I think that can be coached into you. I think that can. So hopefully that is developing in him right now. He needs to have that for yeah. sure. Because you can't just go truck people in the NFL. That's mm-hmm. not going to happen. No, no, definitely. Um, definitely. There will be opportunities for him to use his legs, especially with Derrick Henry like you were talking about. Because I think his mobility as far as speed and agility is identical to Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he has more strength than Ryan Tannehill. Especially with the weapons. Like, I, yeah. I'm saying I... I, I do I think that Will Levis has more arm talent than Ryan Tannehill? Yeah. Yes. I mean that that shouldn't even be a debate if you know football. Okay. Yeah. But with the talent that the Titans have, at least right now, hopefully we can get more, but with D Hop yeah. and if Traylon Burks ever freaking comes back. I mean, what okay? is going on with that guy? So like, you know, I, I with the weapons, like I'm sorry, any Knowing as an NFL quarterback, especially a rookie NFL quarterback, knowing that you have DeAndre Hopkins as a security blanket that you can turn into, is one, I feel like it's a good thing, but two, I feel like it should worry you a little bit. So, yeah, that sometimes he's got a default for that yeah. to him. Because Ron Tannehill's I mean, been doing that. Yeah. Ron Tannehill locks on DeAndre Hopkins, he doesn't throw to anybody else. He has. He'll he'll get in he'll get in modes where he's doing that for 15 straight plays. Mm-hmm. And you're like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Can we stop acting like the Titans have good weapons to throw the ball to? Can we stop asking? Can we stop acting like I'm not going to punch you in the face? <laughs> Go for it, bro. Uh-oh. Anyway, but right. yeah, that's that's kind of what stood out to me. So. All right, we're going to take a pause. We're going to watch Monday Night Football. And then we'll come back and talk to you guys. I think this is probably going to be a little bit of a doozy game. So we'll probably have quite a bit to talk to about. Oh, talk yeah. about in just a minute, we'll be back with you all in a little bit. Oh, yeah. All right, we are back. The Cowboys beat the Chargers on Monday Night Football 20-17 to uh, in a game that the officials – Definitely enjoyed being in the spotlight. Let's we can just say that. Holy cow! 
they did were they weren't the reason the Cowboys won the game, but they were the reason the game was not that entertaining. Because oh my gosh, dude, there were twenty total accepted penalties. That's not including the penalties that were unaccepted. So who knows how many penalties actually happened? But it, it felt like there was a penalty flag thrown on, on almost every single play. It was just, I mean, just killing the flow of this game. I mean, my goodness, that was brutal. Uh, anyway, um, as far as actual playing on the field, did anything really stand out to you guys in this game? I, I, I don't, nothing really shocked me in this game. The Cowboys pass rush came through in the end. I mean, any, I mean, I don't, I can't really think of anything that like really was really uh, shocking to me. Keenan Allen is still stud. Yeah, he's a beast. Justin Herbert missed a few throws. He did. There was some. There was a few plays where guys were open, and Herbert missed a few passes that could have been a big difference in this game. That's true. Um. Uh. I don't. Austin Eckler wasn't a huge factor. Maybe just that's just because he's the first game back from his injury. I don't know. Um, I do feel like even without him being a huge factor, I feel like the Chargers need to run the ball a little more than what they're doing. I mean, I know you lost Mike Williams, but you still got enough. Like you got other receivers. Like also, Joshua Palmer was supposed to be like this next Mike Williams, and he's done nothing. You talking about Quentin Johnson? Quinn Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Josh Palmer, he did pretty good. Yeah. yeah Josh Qu- Palmer did. I was talking about Quinn Johnson. Johnson. He must not just. He just must not be good because the yeah. Chargers don't even try to use him. Like yeah. he's hard. Like he barely even steps foot on the field. Ever. And then like it was like, oh, he's supposed to be kind of like Mike Williams, but he's not going to get a lot of opportunities this right. year. And then Mike Williams gets hurt, and it's like, oh, it's Quentin Quentin Johnson time. And then he just hasn't been on the field. It's yeah. like. He must he must not be good. Like it must be that simple. Because whenever he was coming out of college, I heard a lot of the the scouting report on him was crazy physical abilities, great jump ball abilities. Does hasn't shown much of a route tree though. So everybody's like, oh, yeah, Mike Williams. You know, it's similar to Mike Williams. But like he's they're not even letting him get on the field. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't know. It's weird. He must he just must not be good. Which is. Strange, because I thought it was going to be really good, especially on this team. I thought it was a great fit, but a better fit would have been Jordan Addison. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Keenan Allen and Jordan Addison on this team? I mean, my gosh, that would be impossible to guard. I just feel like the penalties kind of disrupted the flow of the game oh, yeah. for the most part. Like I, I will, I'll give credit where credits due. Like everybody knows that I've been super, super hard on this guy. Dak did make some big time throws and like really good throws in this game. Especially the one that he ran scrambling out of the po- or through scrambling out of the pocket and hitting CD like that look that that was a good throw and like I had been really really critical of Dak Prescott but I will say he did have some really good throws in this game like and and that that look that's just my personal opinion what and I'm saying that because yes I've been critical of him. what I noticed with the, every play that you're talking about where Dak was like oh it was a great play over it was after the defense over pursued their rush and then Dak Prescott like we're talking we're talking about plays that where he where Dak Prescott's holding the ball for like 10 seconds and if you've got the ball for 10 seconds that means somebody all pretty much everybody's wide open downfield so you can just throw to whoever you want to at that point because I don't know when the defense if the first half if it happens twice I understand it like okay this guy's planning on using his feet a little bit more than we anticipated 
But after that, you've got to adjust. You cannot rush that hard at him anymore. You've got to contain yeah. him and make him beat you by staying in the pocket and delivering an actual pass, which Dak has proven past couple years he can't do that well. So make him do it. Why? What do you? I agree. No, I, I agree with I, everything you're I saying. In in the and the Chargers have very talented pass rushers. They they've got great dudes. But sometimes you've got to slow yourself. You can't be sprinting the whole time. You've got to slow down. I I I, I anyway there was. And like you were saying about the officials, it's hard to even get a read on this game of who did well and who didn't do well because of the like there was a flag on every play, man. I I don't even know how to how to read the game. It was yeah. it was like that. Like, you holy. just you have to look like you have to state the obvious, and this is just my personal opinion, and I'm not trying to get you fired up. But yes, the penalties did play a big role in this game, but breaking everything down. And this is just my personal opinion. This comes down to look, Dak just outplayed Justin. Dak just out, outplayed Justin. I completely Justin disagree with that. That's that's just completely. my like. That's what happened. Dak, Dak yeah. outplayed Justin Herbert. Justin, Justin Herbert Dak just hit, missed a few passes, yes, and Dak. You, you've got to think passes. about these situations too that happened with these Chargers being backed up because of all these penalties that they were getting called. Justin Herbert was in third and 20 almost every single possession. Dak Prescott backed up too, dude. Dak Prescott like hardly ever would. Dak Prescott had a lot of second and eights, third and threes. He had a lot of those. Justin Herbert was in third and 15 or more a lot. So your stats are going to be way worse in those situations. I'm not even talking about the stats like you say. I'm not talking talking about about Justin Herbert missed like five or six throws this game. Yes, five or Dak six out of like the, forty. Dak made those throws. Dak 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 didn't do anything that was like name oh my one God. Dak name one throw that Dak missed. Uh, there he were missed, a, there he were missed a few. Michael. Look, I, I will say he missed Michael Gallup one or two times. But the thing is, like, if I I don't think, and, and this is why I'm saying Dak outplayed Justin. I, I, Dak did not miss a receiver that I feel like if he would have made that throw, it would have been, it would have changed, not changed the outcome of the game, but it would have been well, been a big swing. The, the first, the first Justin Michael Herbert, Gallup, the, the first, first Michael Gallup, yeah, that yes, one was big, but that was early enough in the game where right. it wouldn't have made a big. But in the fourth quarter, if you, I think I'm pretty sure it was in the fourth quarter. Justin Herbert did miss Austin Eckler on that throw up the scene. And yeah. the one that you swore up and down, Austin slowed no, down. No, you're talking about Keenan Allen. You're talking about Keenan Allen. Oh, Keenan Allen. Yeah. yeah. yeah Justin he Herbert he missed, missed out three. He missed it. He so just missed he, it. Here's the difference in the game, in my opinion. Here's the difference in the game. The Chargers defensive line over-pursued, and the Cowboys defensive line did not. The Cowboys defensive line did their job and got to Justin Herbert. The Chargers defensive line did not do their job. They did not. It. They did not. Get I that get it, but it, it can't ever. Still. It can't ever be a quarterback escaping pressure. That's not possible, dude. Those were not Dak Prescott escaping pressures. That was the defense literally just running past him, like wide open sack. All you gotta do is get your arms around him and just running past him, just ran right past him. And the 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 and the count. This isn't new for the Cowboys' defensive line. The Cowboys' defensive line has been doing this all year. They're great at it. Micah Parsons. He does. He is crazy fast, and he doesn't over pursue. He just goes straight into him and just obliterates them. 
He's so good at it. I get it, but, but if you're going to give credit for other quarterbacks for being able to make those throws on the run like Dak did today, it can't be a double standard. No, like, you I, can't... No, no, no. I, I'm not giving. I'm not talking about throws on the run. I'm talking about the defensive line not making the Dude, plays. Uh, but but Dak still had to make. I, I'm giving you that. Yes, the throwing on the pursued, run. But Dak still had to make those throws. Throwing I'm not on taking the run. anything away from your point. Look, we've reached the point in the NFL that we we're in the era. Throwing on the run is not an impressive attribute anymore. Every single quarterback can do it. Every single person. So that's not like that's not something that we should ever judge. I somebody. definitely don't know. Who who can't who cannot throw who can't throw on the run right now? That, who can't throw on the run? Name Kirk somebody. Cousins, Ryan Tannehill. Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill throws on the run. That's when he throws. That's when his best. He, does, he does. He does. Every single quarterback can not, throw on the run. Not like under pressure on the run. He does the play action, but, like roll out of the pocket we don't, on the run. We don't play. have Philip Rivers style quarterbacks anymore. They're, they're, they can all. Every single one of them can throw on the run. Everybody. And in fact, most of them throw better when they're on the run. Ryan Tannehill is a good example. They throw better when they're on the I'm run. I'm not talking about like a little jog, like rolling out. Yeah. They're still rolling out and they're throwing. I'm talking about actually running away from. That's what I'm and if they were, throw. if they were little touch passes, I could, I would give you that. But that's like, that's, that's these that's, are like the throw that you're These are about. like 15, 20 yards down yeah. the field. The throw that like those are about. not touch passes. That was a touch pass. Whenever you're Sprinting, you just toss the ball, and, it, and the guy sprinting with you. That might as well just be you throwing in the backyard with your brother. Like it's that's super easy Come for on. these guys. I, I disagree. Dude, I every, get what you're saying. But that I throw disagree. that you're talking about, every single quarterback in the NFL can do that in their sleep. They all can throw on the run, every single one, and they throw better on the run. And Dak Prescott mm-hmm. is one of those guys. He throws better on the run than he does standing still in the pocket. If you keep that guy in the pocket, he cannot throw the ball. He can't do it. That was the Chargers' defensive line. That was their problem. They literally would just let him over pursue. Let him. They could about all the big plays you said. You saw Dak Prescott make today. All of them were outside the pocket. Every single one of them. He can't throw from inside the pocket. This guy also thinks Patrick Mahomes isn't the best quarterback in the NFL. So, okay, this has nothing to do with this conversation at all. You're, I'm just, look, you're I'm, discrediting I'm saying, the fact of like. His style of play is so impressive because he can make all of those throws on the run. He can do the no-look yeah, passes. He can great. do all the that's different awesome. arm angles. He can make all of those plays. Yeah. And then you're over here like, but every quarterback in the NFL yeah, can do that. All no, those, they can't. Uh, no, not as good as Patrick Mahomes, you're right. But the thing is, is all of that off-schedule stuff, it relies on the defensive line making a mistake. Because in order for you to be able to make off-schedule throws, the defensive line had to mess up. Because or you had to get away from because it. You, you had to make if, a good play. If you got out of the pocket, that means that, that somebody messed up. The defensive end, your job as a defensive end is do not let that guy outside of you. So if they get outside of you, you screwed up. Except there's different defensive schemes and there's different offensive line blocking schemes to allow quarterbacks to roll out and do other yeah, stuff. Yeah, you're right about the bootleg stuff. Like You're right about that. I'm talking about traditional pocket passing plays where the guys escape to the outside because the defensive line. I'm also not, over- also not willing to say, like, I, I will say, look, I will say this. Yes, a lot of those they did over pursue. But I am definitely willing to put money on the fact that every single one of those plays, I would say, I would have to go back and look, but I'm not willing to say every one of those plays were because of over pursuing. Like, I'm willing to say at least was Dak being shifty enough to get out of the pocket and being willing to break a tackle, Dak, especially with how shifty he is. I'm not saying all. Yes, they were over pursuing, 
Yeah, I, I will say that. I'm not saying all. But I'm not willing to say every single one of those were the Chargers over-pursuing. And look, everybody on this podcast knows I've been critical of that. Me right. and Ben literally just had a conversation of that. I'm saying by what I saw in this game, Dak, oh, Dak outplayed Justin Herbert. Here's here's the thing I, about that, that's just my I, opinion. I don't care how shifty a quarterback is, but even if they are shifty, I don't. Shiftiness is not a positive attribute for a quarterback. Justin Fields is shifty. He's like that's not a positive thing. Okay, like if you're if you're constantly focusing on the defensive line and getting around them, that makes you a bad quarterback because you're not focused downfield. That's a problem. Okay, but anyway, even if even if even if that wasn't a problem. I don't care how shifty the quarterback is. If he, if the defensive line lets him out of that contained pocket, they screwed up. They did something wrong. They, he cannot get, just slow down. Just stop running so fast. If you slow down, he can't get around you. Literally just stay back. You, here, it comes down to this. Defensive lineman in the NFL, especially the Chargers defensive line, Joe, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, it comes down to defensive linemen being selfish. They're so hungry for that sack that they don't want to allow the quarterback to throw under pressure. Throwing under pressure in a lot of situations is better for your team than you actually getting the sack. So stop. They're being selfish. They're trying so hard to get that sack that they're hurting their own team. And it's, it's a problem. And it's not just the Chargers. A lot of defenses do that in the NFL. A lot of defense, which is, which is so impressive about Micah Parsons. Because he he gets all his sacks, but he doesn't do it in a selfish way. I, I don't know what it is about Mark, Micah Parsons. He never over-pursues. You never see him run past and miss the quarterback. Ever. That doesn't happen. So I, I like there's just certain there's just defensive linemen that are selfish. They're so hungry for that sack that they're hurting their own team. We can't brush past the fact that you just said being a shifty quarterback makes you a bad quarterback. No, I, I'm not You literally that if you're say, if you're making that statement, you're saying that Patrick Mahomes, no, 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 you're no. saying that Justin Herbert, no, no, you're saying all I'm not of these saying, guys are I bad never said it makes you a bad quarterback. I said it's not a positive attribute. Is that not what he said? It no, makes you a bad no, quarterback I said it's not a positive. I said it's not a positive attribute. He said it's, it's not a positive attribute, which I still 100% disagree with because if you're a shifty quarterback, that's that's a plus. Now, is it one of the most important things no. for a quarterback? Absolutely not. But being shifty is not doesn't make you a worse quarterback. Yes, for, I agree with like, that. Patrick that's Mahomes. That's you were making it sound I would like. not qualify Justin Mahomes as shifty. Just uh, Patrick, Pat, Pat, sorry, Justin Mahomes. Sorry, Patrick He's Mahomes, shifty. I would, he can dance. I wouldn't would qualify him as shifty. I would qualify him as having great pocket awareness and great pocket mobility. Yeah, All and right? what Dak did today was just no, him yeah, getting that lucky wasn't, and walking yeah, around. Yeah, and that was just sucking. It was just defensive linemen running past him. Like it, it really was. Did you watch the game? They, yes, they, I did. They had him sacked so many times, and okay. they just walked right past. In them. order to get out of that situation and still make a pass down the field, you have to understand where yes. all of the pressure is yes. coming from. Not just one guy over pursuing you. Here's the you difference. have to understand where everyone is yes. coming from. Here's and get out of the pocket here's, and make a throw. Here's and that's what Dak did. Here's the difference between pocket awareness and pocket mobility. And shiftiness, okay? Oh pocket God. awareness, pocket mobility, your focus is still downfield. Shiftiness, your focus is on the defensive line. And Dak Prescott's focus was he on the defensive line. He still made the throws down the After field. he ran past the defensive line. He, his focus was oh so hard on the defensive God. line, he stood back there and just waited for them to make a mistake, which they did. Then he ran past him. Then he looked downfield. Then yeah, threw you're right. And whenever he was standing in the 
pocket. He didn't make perfect passes standing in the pocket this game at all. I don't think he did. Okay. I mean, th- uh, do you remember any? Because I don't remember any. I don't remember him making any good throws standing in the pocket. Look, everybody, look, I, all I'm going to say is this, and I'll, I'll leave it here. Everybody listening to this podcast knows how I feel about Dak Prescott. Okay, I literally torched him against the 49ers. Look, I'm sorry, bro. You can put whatever you can put whatever you want on it, okay? But you have to admit that Dak Prescott outplayed Justin Herbert. Like, I- I'm sorry, man. You can you can literally put you can put whatever you want on it. You can put it on you can put it on defense. You can put it like he just outplayed Justin Herbert in this game. Like that, I'm sorry. Like you have to call it what it is, bro. And this is coming from somebody that is not a like. I'm not gonna say I'm not a Dak Prescott fan, but I have been super hard on Dak Prescott, and I am going to give credit where credit where credit is due. He outplayed Justin Herbert in this game. I just and, and that's disagree. that's that's what it comes down to, in my opinion. The, the, and the we Cowboys, can agree to disagree. The Cowboys' bro, defensive line outperformed the Chargers' defensive line. You can oh he, can you agree God, with that? They team? had like two sacks, dude. Like who? The, the Cowboys had like two because sacks. they didn't over pursue. That's what I'm talking about. I literally just talked about their the ability to not be <laughs> bro, selfish. You I'm, literally just made my point for me. The Cowboys' defensive line got the pressure and didn't over pursue. The Chargers' defensive line got pressure. They still got pressure, and that got out of the pressure. Yeah, and they over-pursued. Oh, my God. They, the, and the, you were talking about the 49ers eating Dak Prescott up. They did They did it perfect. They didn't over-pursue. They kept it contained and slowly squeezed I'm, I'm talking about Dak Prescott's decision-making in general. He escaped the pocket and ran out of through wide-open people. What decisions are you talking about? Wide-open people, bro. He hit, he hit C.D. Lamb on a 20-yard on a 20-yard crossing route yes. with the dis- with a defender on his back pocket well, on the his back pocket. He was three yards behind him, bro. On, dude. dude, it was like, not a hard throw. I hear you're a Justin Herbert fan, but like, stop making excuses. This is a, I'm just, not making excuses for Justin Herbert. He had a bad game. I'm saying that Prescott did not have a good game. But either. he okay, but he outplayed Justin no, Herbert. No, no, the in defensive this game. lines oh are the difference God. in the game. Uh, Dak Prescott did out did not outperform Justin Herbert, bro. The defense, the Cowboys' defensive line outperformed the Chargers' defense. Okay. You're delusional, That's, right? How now, is dude. that delusional? That is literally the difference in the game. It's literally one figured out, one knew how to pressure. I'm not day. saying that. The, obviously, the Cowboys' defensive line is better than the Chargers'. No, I'm not, I don't even think they're obvious. They just had a better game. Oh my god. So you don't think the Cowboys' defensive line is better than the Chargers? I think they're comparable. I definitely think I, you have. They to have say Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, bro. And my Cowboys have Micah Parsons and Demarcus, Demarcus Lawrence just, and another guy. I think it's literally, it's made, very, the, very literally made the case that Micah Parsons is an MVP. Yes, yes. I, they're very comparable. Like, they're both great I, defensive I don't know about that. And one seems to be selfish and one doesn't. That's oh the difference. My. Yeah. The Cowboys have a better defense. I'll give you that. If you want to say that, oh, Justin Dude. Herbert was playing against a better defense, you can say that. But Dak Prescott... In this game, play better than Justin Herbert did. I did disagree. I mean, what what did Dak Prescott have, do? That, have to what did he do that was impressive? I just didn't see anything. He won he the game. He, he scored enough throws, points, and he made, and he didn't overthrow wide open receivers five times. Look, dude. He, look. Okay, hold homework. on. You're saying that Dak Prescott rolled out of the pocket and made perfect passes to these wide open receivers. Every quarterback in the NFL can do that. 
Why didn't Justin Herbert but do it this time? Justin Herbert was throwing under pressure every single time he threw oh the ball tonight. Dak Prescott oh wasn't. That's the difference. Like, how, how do you not... Justin Herbert threw under pressure and Dak Prescott didn't. How do you not see that? I don't understand. What, how are you not seeing this, guys? I'm not... We've got to ignore stats. We've got to talk about... I'm not ignoring stats. I'm going off the eye test. The fact that yeah, Dak Prescott... The only the only pass that I literally saw Dak Prescott miss... I'm not... The, the Tony... Po- you have to miss it, bro. I'm talking about how you actually look throwing the ball. He was under... Justin Herbert was under pressure. Dak Prescott wasn't. Dude. As Dak Prescott... They, they over-pursued and was throwing... Wide open. We're gonna have to agree to disagree because obviously we're gonna agree to disagree on this. Okay, but that look, you have. I'm sorry, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott outplayed Justin Herbert. That's it. I just like, disagree. All right, man. Then we'll agree to disagree. But that's that's my opinion. You agree on something completely different. Let's agree to disagree and just and just just end the podcast. Why like, are you guys getting so butthurt about this? No, I'm, I'm not God, getting. Bro. No, I'm not getting butthurt. I'm just saying like. We disagree on this. You think How, something? You, you're saying you're using an eye test, but you're clearly not. Like you, like Justin. It Herbert, seems like I'm not the one getting butthurt. It seems like you're the Justin, one getting butthurt because I'm trying to drop this, but you won't drop it. Justin bro. Herbert, because you said you used an eye test, but you clearly did it. Yes, I saw Justin Herbert miss Austin Eckler wide open yes, down the him. stream, bro. Yes, you're you're like, talking about one or two misses. I'm talking about the whole game. That's you're, what I'm saying. You're saying Brandon. that Prescott was impressive, but what did he do that was impressive? He made the throws when Justin Herbert didn't and what won the throws? game. There were he won the game. They're different throws dude we're talking about completely different throws come on brandon like just just in the podcast we obviously agreed we're gonna have to agree to disagree you're not gonna change my mind even though you would spend three hours trying to okay how's it been three hours i'm saying you would literally stay on this for another hour and a half trying to prove me wrong that's what i'm saying but it's not gonna happen Dak Prescott outplayed Justin Herbert, in my true. opinion. That's just not true. Okay, you disagree. So in the podcast, and we'll go about our ways, bro. Like just the, because the point of the podcast is so we can talk about these things. And I and I've tried look and I've tried to tell you, bro. Like Dak Pre- Dak Prescott made the throws that Justin Herbert didn't. They didn't okay. have the same throws, dude. Oh, my God. Bro. Like, we were talking about two different teams with two different offensive lines, two different defensive lines, two different coaches, two different everything. I'm talking about what they actually did watching them play, which one did better at different moments at different times. That's what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, and it was that Prescott. That's okay. not true. That's your opinion. That's your oh opinion. Goodness. You're not going to change my mind. You all have just got to pay attention to like the surroundings of the who are the players surrounding them. How did those other players play in those? Well, just, and you have to stop making excuses. I'm not making excuses. You Justin are, bro. Herbert, Justin Herbert missed throws that he should have made today. I'm not making excuses for them. Then Dak Prescott outplayed no, Justin Herbert. Not, Dak Prescott didn't play perfect either. I'm not saying he played perfect. When did Dak Prescott stand in the pocket like an NFL quarterback and deliver a throw like an NFL quarterback? No. That's not what. What I'm saying, but if that. he's under duress, he was able to escape and he hit es- the throws he, that he, he escaped, needed to. He escaped the duress because the defensive line didn't do their job. Oh my god! And there's always an excuse. There's that's, always that's a caveat, an bro. Why can't you just give? Why can't you just give credit where credits due and say Dak Prescott was able to make throws on the run 
Why, why can't, why, why does everything have to be in Why does everything have to have an excuse? Why does everything whenever have to have a caveat? Whenever you're saying Dak Prescott made throws on the run, you're acting like somebody was on his butt about to sack him. That did not happen in this game. Whenever he was throwing on the run, he was wide. Him running was his own choice. He wasn't running from somebody that's about to tackle him. That, that's completely different. All right. I'm talking. I'm talking actually making good throws under pressure where somebody's about to hit you. Justin Herbert had to throw that throw mm. way and more. And he missed them. And he, he missed them. No, he, he didn't he, hit them. He, he, missed, them. he hit a lot of the tough ones. He missed some easy ones that he should have made that you're talking about. I know he did. I'm not making excuses for those. But there were a lot of really tight ones in the middle of the field with with pressure and traffic everywhere that he did hit those. And nobody's talking about it. And also several good throws that he hit that got called back for holding. And I'm, I'm saying, I've literally said from the beginning, the officials played a big part in this game. I literally said that, okay? But I am sorry. You can put whatever you want on it. You can put whatever caveat. You can put whatever excuse. You can put whatever you want on it, okay? Dak Prescott outplayed Justin Herbert. The Cowboys won this game. I'm sorry. Like, but am, yeah, the am, I Dak, am I a Dak Prescott fan? No, I'm not. You, I have literally crucified Dak Prescott in the past. In the past, literally a podcast we done a week ago, I went and literally debated Dak Prescott against Ben, okay? I am saying Dak Prescott outplayed Justin Herbert in this game, okay? If Justin Herbert would have hit one or two more throws, I would have said something opposite, okay? But everything that I saw in this game, Dak Prescott outplayed Justin Herbert. I'm sorry. That's my that's my personal. There opinion. were defenses on the field too, man. That's, and that, that and yes, the, and the, I the Cowboys that. defense played better than the Chargers defense, and the Cowboys won by three. That was the difference in the game. That's the difference. I, I I don't know how to make it any more clear. But if, if you you are putting every you are literally there might as well have not been two offenses on this field to you because you have like there might as well have just. Not been two offenses and just two defenses Look, man, on the field. It was just I I can't believe how disappointed I am in the Chargers defensive line. That's that's the, what it's mainly what it comes down to. The Chargers defensive that was one of the worst performances by a defensive line I've ever seen. Like they just kept running right past Dak Prescott. They just would run right past. And him. how is that Dak Like I'm not blaming that. I'm not. Like you're t- the frustrating thing for me about this entire conversation is I am li- like I understand what you're saying. But you're taking away from the fact of Dak was able to scramble out of the pocket I, and make these throws. Like, I, I, if it's Lamar Jackson, we're yeah. crediting him. Yeah. If it's Zach Wilson, you're crediting him. If Wilson. it's Brock Purdy, you're crediting I, him. Let's, let's if it's any the, other quarterback, but you're making excuses when with, it comes to Dak for the, being able to do Let's go with the Lamar Jackson one. Okay, Lamar Jackson does make – he has the ability to make people look foolish and escape. And when that happens, that's that's credit to Lamar Jackson. He has that ability. Dak Prescott today, he didn't do those moves. Those defensive linemen just ran past him. They literally just, he didn't do anything amazing to juke people out or make, or, or just get out of tackles. They just ran past him. They, like, he didn't do anything. He just stood there and balled up. And then they would just run past. And then he was like, oh, wait, they didn't tackle me? Oh, gosh, I can run free now. And I can throw to somebody wide open. That's what Dak Prescott did several times in this game, which props to him for, for not screwing those plays up whenever he had that opportunity. But that comes down like the, I can't believe the defensive line from the Chargers. Like that was unacceptable. Like you just you can't just like once again they were just being selfish, dude. Like if you if you 
squeeze the pocket slowly. You're either going to end up with a pressure throw, which is most of the time going to be negative for the offense, either an incomplete pass or possibly an interception. That or one of one of the defensive linemen are going to get a sack. But all of those guys wanted that sack for themselves. So they didn't push in slowly. They just sprinted straight at him. They were like, I want this. I want. And they sprinted so fast, Dak just had to take one step and like, whoop, there they go. Right, went right past them. And they were sprinting so fast, they threw themselves out of the play. They weren't even right behind Dak anymore. They were like 10 yards behind him. It's like, dude, where are you going? You're supposed to be the guy pressuring him, not running past him and just let him have a free play down the field, man. That's, that. I can't, look, Dak Prescott had one of his better games. He did. And Justin Herbert had one of his worst games. That's literally been my and entire I point. still think I'm Justin not, Herbert played better than Dak Prescott. Then that's your, that's your that, opinion. But Dak Prescott, I, I don't understand how you can legitimately here, it, make here's that. Why, here's why, here's why I make that argument. Justin Herbert made several plays that I genuinely found super impressive. Dak Prescott didn't have a single play that I thought was impressive. That's what it comes down to. Like I, I and nobody, still nobody's name to play that like really has impressed me. Like none of them. Even the one that you keep bringing up is he escapes, runs to the right, doesn't have a defender within 15 yards of him, and throws it to a receiver that's running the same speed as him in the same direction as him toward the sideline, where the receipt where the defender maybe two yards behind his back. All right, so you you can't miss that throw big. If you lead him too far, it's going to be incomplete. And if you throw it too far behind, it could be intercepted. So you have probably a seven-yard window right there leading them to where it's going to be a caught ball. So that, that, that's not a tight window. That's not a hard throw for an NFL quarterback to make. Seven yards is plenty of space. So, like, I'm like, yes, that was probably his best play of the day. That was probably his best one. And, yeah, it was a good play. But I don't find it impressive for an NFL quarterback. The thing play. about, look, the, the thing about this is, did, did he look? Did he pull a sidearm? Did he throw the ball 60, 70 yards down the field? Did he throw the ball behind his back between both about his legs and throw? No, but he made the throw. If he look, <clears throat> if he would have, I, if he would have scrambled out of the pocket and got first down after first down after first down after first down, I would agree with you. Okay, if these were all little five yard touch passes that he's making, they're running for first downs. Yes, I'll agree with you. But the throws that he's making on the run are down the field, at least anywhere between tw- 10 to 20 yards down the field. Receivers, though, when, when receivers are wide open, that's not impressive in the NFL. Now, there there is one play that actually was impressive from Dak Prescott that that you all forgot. I just remembered. It was down on the. It was one of the touchdowns he threw down the goal line. They kind of fade away lob pass to the left end of the end zone. I can't yeah. remember who the receiver was. It but, was either. I, I think it was either. Uh, it was to. Um, it doesn't matter. It was there. It was there. The guy that just the guy that just came on the team this year. Um, gosh, it wasn't Dowell, was it? Was it running back? No, no it okay. was. I can't. I can't it, think. It of doesn't matter. Is. Regardless who it was, I know who you're talking the about. The defender though. was. He all, had a big game. The defender was all over him. Was was all up in his business. Right on his hip. Maybe could have even called defensive holding. He, he That's the only way you can really be that close to somebody. But he was all over him, and Dak floated that thing in directly over the shoulder, just barely out of the reach of the defender. That was an impressive throw. I, I will give That was a great, great throw. So got to give him props on that one. That was fantastic. So so he and did. Justin Herbert's 
touchdown throw was to a wide open. Yeah, that was that wasn't an impressive throw. Like, yeah, I, I'm just saying. That's like, not what I'm, th- I'm I'm talking about middle of the field. Whenever you've got like a second eight standing in the pocket and delivering to somebody that's running between two linebackers where you have a one-yard window to hit. He hit CD on multiple of those in the first half. You realize he hit CD for... I'm talking. I'm not talking about just throwing in the middle. I'm talking about with tight windows. I, he threw the CD on cutting around. The, the broadcast even mentioned it, that the Chargers were leaving the middle of the field wide open for the Cowboys. And what? Like, I don't understand, like... I don't understand why we're faulting. I'm not faulting like, anybody other than the Chargers' defensive line. That's the only people I'm faulting right now. I'm not faulting Dak Prescott. He did what he was supposed to do. Today. And that's the that's the fact. He done what he was supposed to do. Justin Herbert did not do what he I was think Justin to. Herbert did do it. That's supposed. your opinion. Bro. Justin Herbert. That's he faced opinion. a lot more pressure than Dak did. That's, that's your opinion. He had a opinion. lot harder of a job to do. That's your opinion. You don't and think his job was harder than Dak's today? That's your opinion. That when push comes, it doesn't matter what I think. I'm going off fact, okay? Dak Prescott won that game. Dak Prescott outplayed Justin Herbert. Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert missed crucial yes, throws. He did down the field, and you can't do that. If he would have hit those throws, you know me. You know how I am. I will call it like it is and say Dak Prescott did not do enough to win this game. Okay, Justin Herbert outplayed Dak Prescott, but that is not the case. Justin Herbert missed too many throws, okay, especially the one to Austin Eckler. Wide open, if he hits that throw, Austin Eckler is still running. You're talking about Keenan okay, Allen. Or Keenan Allen, not Austin Eckler. If he hits Keenan Allen on that, you're right. There's, he's literally still running, mm-hmm. okay? Name me one throw. Well, I, okay, the Michael Gallup throw in the end zone, even though he had two – he had – Literally yeah. two defenders and, collapsed. And he just barely missed. Okay, it. yes, like, and it he was barely missed. Barely missed. missed. Dak You're Prescott right. did not have one of those wide open missed throws. The Tony Pollard one at the end of the game that they had to settle for the field goal. You could abs. You could maybe if you're wanting to get that picky. Was, that was a great you could Maybe say he overthrew. Him that was that. I actually. You know what? That's probably his best play of the night. I think his best throw of the night was an incomplete. I think that was his best throw. That was a great throw. That was a fantastic. That Prescott throw. did not have that throw where you're like, wow. If he would have yeah. hit that throw, that you're may right. have changed the complexity of the game. You're right. And Justin Herbert did. Like you're that's right. what it comes down to, man. You're right about all of that. You're right about all the And I'm not taking look, I'm not taking anything away from from defense. Yes, they overpursued, okay? But I am not willing to fault and take credit away from Dak from scrambling not, out and being I'm able to I'm not taking credit out. away from Dak. I'm, I am not saying Dak played bad. I I don't know why you keep thinking I'm saying that. I am not saying that. I'm just saying Justin Herbert didn't play bad. Okay? That's what I'm saying. Justin Herbert had one of his worst games, still not bad. Okay? He did Ben just wished his happy birthday? Yeah, thanks, Ben. <laughs> Ben's no longer here, by the way. He ben walked out. He was a baby and didn't want to argue and just left. So anyway, we'll. Uh, I guess we'll end it there. That was. I, I we talked way too long about Monday Night Football. That was an awful game because of the officiating. Anyway, it was gosh, man. I that I want to talk about the crew a little bit more. They have got to do something when a when a crew does this and i've not seen this for a couple years from an nfl crew it's been a little while but when a crew is throwing this many flags in a game i don't care if they're all legitimate flags 
And not all of these were legitimate flags. Some of them were, some of them were not. I, I And I said this to Ben and Tanner during the game. I don't care if they are choke slamming each other in the middle of the field. You cannot throw that many flags. You can't do it. You can't. There had to be, there was 20 accepted penalties. I'm guessing there were probably about 25 total if you include non-accepted penalties. You, there is never a situation you should ever have 25 penalties thrown in a game. I don't care if they are, if they're punching each other every play. I don't care. You cannot throw a flag that much. If they're holding every single play, call some of them. Don't call. You can't throw 25 flags in a game. You cannot do that. If you do that, you are ruining the entire game. And nobody cares. At that point, when you're throwing a flag that much, they would rather you miss some calls than call a flag that much. That's what that's what all, all the coaches, all the players, all the fans, every single person in, that cares about the game at all would rather you miss calls than for you to call that many flags. That, that, that's just, you can't do that. It's, it's way too many. Stop. Don't do that. What In a typical game, I'm thinking there should maybe be Maybe three flags, three or four flags for a quarter. For an for a, for each quarter, three or four flags. That's probably a reasonable number to me. So let's just say it's four. Four times four is sixteen. That's sixteen. That should be the most ever. You should never have more than that. You should never have more than four flags a quarter. If you're doing more than that, you're doing too much. Calm down. The game's not about you. Chill out. Keep the yellow in your pocket unless it's something atrocious, okay? Stop throwing your flag that much. That's all I got to say. It's ridiculous. Quit. And if everybody, if anybody's ever watching one of the games that I'm calling and I throw, if I am, it's individually, obviously, I'm going to throw less flags. If I'm ever, if I ever throw more than two flags in one quarter, you need to contact me after the game and be like, yo, you threw more than two flags that in a quarter there. You know, you, yeah, I, I seriously. I'm gonna bro. heckle you, bro. I would seriously. You. If you're ever watching one of I'm my games, you. if you ever, if you ever see me throw more than two flags in a quarter, you, ser- I would seriously want you to say something to me. I'm gonna heckle you, one hundred percent. I'm so, gonna heckle you. Let, and let's just say for me personally, if I ever throw more than five flags for an entire game, if I, if for me, if I ever throw more than five flags in an entire game, I really want somebody to tell me because I like, if I'm throwing that many, I need to calm myself down. Like for sure. Unless they're so obvious, you absolutely have to. And I will say this as a high school official, whenever I'm back judge, this, I might be pushing the limits on what I should be saying here, but whenever I'm a back judge, I'm in, that means I'm in the deep part of the field behind the safeties. All right. In the middle of the field. I am more, I throw more flags for defensive holding slash pass interference than pretty much any other high school official because I'm used to playing. I really, I really know the game. I watch football all the time. I know what I, I pay closer attention to the, to the route off the line of scrimmage than most other high school officials. So I see that defensive holding. But a lot of times you, as a high school player, you can get away with that defensive holding because the guy's not looking at you yet, but I'm looking at you. So I call that more than anybody. So, and even with me calling those flags more often than anybody else, I never throw more than two or three flags in a game, ever. That's like three is the most I ever throw. So even with me paying closer attention to that than anybody else, I still don't throw that many flags. You can't throw that many flags, man. You can't do that. It's unacceptable. Anyway, I'm going to go to bed. Tanner's going to go home and go to bed. And 
we're just gonna try to forget this argument and have a good birthday. So yeah, <laughs> happy birthday, Brandon. Happy birthday, dude. By the way, we're not twins. All right, we're no. not even related. No, but we do have the same exact birthday. So, so crazy. All right. I didn't believe him when he told me. I made him show me his ID. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. It was. But anyway, good night, everybody. Talk to you Wednesday.